Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative. This is the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy the show. We're jumping into it all right. Nosedive, face first, right in the ice. All the way deep, real deep. Phil, what episode is this? This is 112, I believe. 112. 112. Nice. (sighs) A monumentous occasion, as always. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, man. 112. It's a big number. It's big. It is. And I, I think feel, about like Joe Rogan. He's done literally, like what twelve hundred now. He's over in the he's over the twelve hundreds. That's crazy. Smoking, not that's even crazy. You'll have him done in like a year or two, man. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> For those of you curious of the other sultry voice in the show tonight, we are joined by Mister KP himself, a Chris, a Panshab. My man, we're out here, you know, we're making moves, you know, just He's doing in it. Texas, freezing. freezing, freezing my fucking balls off because, uh, you know, Texas, why not? Also known as Hoff. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. We literally have lightsabers and tauntauns and we're just, you know, doing our own thing, doing our own thing, <laughs> doing your own thing. Yeah. He even, he even got a little baby one and cut it open so his daughter could sleep inside that tonight. It's, Aww, I mean, it's we, we call the babies anyways, just because they make noise at night. So yeah, she was ready. She was, uh, that's good. It's good. They're more I mean, soft you're not, and tender too, you know. Yeah, you actually can't uh, apply to be a Texas child until you've slaughtered a tauntaun. It's like ta- tauntaun veal. <laughs> yeah, tauntaun veal. We keep free, the silly free range. Soft. Yeah, free, free range tauntaun. Free range tauntaun. So, episode 112 of the Herbiculture Podcast is brought to you by MP Cages and Exotics. I was just talking to Sean the other day because I'm trying to figure out this whole beaded thing. Beaded lizards. And let me clarify, I was under the impression that Reed had a bunch of exasperatum he's getting rid of. These are actually horridum. So oh, okay. that means I'm going to have to go a little bigger. Because horridum are a little bigger. Yes, sir. <clears throat> um, and then, so we talked to Sean. Something like what I was, so I was, I was thinking something like a six by four by two deep, <laughs> like six long, four high, two deep. Yeah. And you can still get away with that. You know? Yeah, but I I think that's still the size I, I kind of want to roll with. Um, but then Sean was like, you know, that would be something I'd have to freight. So I think I then talked to Reed actually afterwards, and he was like, oh, you know, we can we can build one, which I guess we could. I just I'm not handy like that. I'm not, you know, my dad's dad's an engineer, so he can build anything he wants to. You know, you give him a, a freaking pencil and a a box cutter, and he'll make you a, a freaking treehouse. Uh, but I I did not inherit that uh, that ability. So, well, did we? Did you talk to Sean about maybe doing like two, like a top and a bottom, and then just shipping them independently and then bolting them together? I didn't, but that's not a bad idea because yeah. me and Reed also said he thinks that I should do a divider so I can have them separate, and then when I want to have them together, I can open that. Yeah. So that's actually that's not a bad idea. So I should talk to you about that. But I would like I really like I would end up putting it probably behind me here, right? And so I'd want it to be big enough to where you can kind of like if you see them in the background crawling around and doing their thing, you know. Yeah, but you totally will. Kinda, that'd be kind of cool. Totally. So that'd I just awesome. want it to be big enough to be able to to do that. But yeah, 
there's a logistics uh, hump right now we're trying to get over. So, but if anybody can jump that hurdle, it's Sean from MPH oh, yeah. Athletics, without a doubt. And I figure if he can, if we end up not going that route, I still have I, I want to get these cyania in some nice like taller PVC cages. Get some big branches like P and Cody do with their mambas and stuff. Oh yeah, and you know, kind of go all out with those guys. So, love it. We'll see. I'm playing it by ear. The show is also brought to you by Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom hot sauces. And Venom hot sauces, boy. So Chris, you like hot sauce? I I do I do. You like cottonmouth hot sauce? It's I hear it's the best. It's, so mm. so I'm told. So it's if you're delicious. cold. In this horrible weather that the country is having, feel free to try and try and ship some hot sauce to yourself to at least warm up a little bit. You remember Richie Rich, the Macaulay Culkin movie, back when we were all but children? Yes, of course. And the the scientist dude had the stuff he poured on the table that melted through everything. Yeah. Oh yes. If you want to get rid of that snow and your driveway concrete at the same time, this is the hot <laughs> sauce, boy. Nice. Stuff's delicious. It's not re- it's not that hot. I'm kidding. But you know. Yeah, yeah. Good flavor. Snow, flavor. everything's apocalyptic right now, so we just had to kind of throw some Yeah, yeah. Emerald Bam in there, you know? Oh yeah. Um, but I mean Chris otherwise is doing fine. Things yeah. have been a little squirrely. Yeah, yeah. Both online and in Texas for real. <laughs> Yeah, things have been a uh, things been a while. I I can't. God, I'm I'm such a such a very lucky individual uh, through what the state's going through right now. Uh, we've been absolutely blessed this whole time. We lost power for a couple hours on Sunday night. Other than that, everything's been perfect. Uh, just real cold, lots of freezing. Can't really get on the road. I was able to make it into the office for the first time today. The roads are back open. Um, you know, water's running so. Gotta 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 stay positive. Gotta help anybody in need. A lot of people out there not doing as good as us. So we're trying to donate water, extra water uh, mm-hmm. cake stuff that we have, and had some buddies come over and shower today. I mean, just gotta, you gotta do everything you can to keep the community running. Uh, Texas has always been a community-driven state, and that's kind of the most thing is, is stay positive about it and keep your head up and and keep on trucking forward. Well, awesome. we were all saying we're all used to like hurricanes are the are the natural disaster of our region, and so yeah. That's usually what we have to worry about. And so like hurricane season for us, it's still usually pretty warm, you know, even mm-hmm. into November. And so if we lose power, it actually still gets pretty hot inside when you don't have AC and stuff. And so like, I don't have, you know, we usually don't have to worry about things like making sure our collections warm and, and stuff like that. I think during maybe hurricane Irma, it was a little chilly and the room, my, like my room definitely got colder um, but it wasn't anything. It was we're still talking like low seventies, upper sixties, maybe. Yeah, which is totally yeah. better. But there is nothing more stressful than knowing these things are coming, knowing like especially if you have a larger collection. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, having I, I highly recommend investing in some um, like some Christmas tree tubs, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of smaller tubs and a bunch of bags or whatever. I guess depending on what you're keeping and dealing with, so you can get ready to bag everything up. Um, even if it's smaller tubs than what they should be kept in. Like if I was doing chondros, I'd still have them in like a 32 quarter or something. They would be grounded, but like have that disposable deli cups, 
paper towels, a bottle of disinfectant or something ready to go, Clorox wipes, whatever. Basically just like a, a quick little, uh, you know, in case of emergency kit that you can get everybody in, get all your gear in. It's all in one place. You know, it's, it's a pain, but, you know, like hurricanes, the last couple we've been lucky. Um, a lot of the major ones sort of dodged us barely, but a lot of times they still call for an evacuation regardless. So. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta definitely be planning to do something, uh, man, big collection. You gotta be ready to go. Uh, I mean, small collection too. Uh, it's a little bit easier to improvise if you have, you know, one, five, 10 animals, but you know, when you're up there around a hundred, you gotta be, you gotta have some kind of a fallout plan. It's even, I mean, it's easier with snakes because it's like, just throw them all in bags or whatever and do what you need to do. Set them up whenever you get to your hotel or wherever you're staying. Uh, yeah. but like with geckos and stuff, I mean, what do you, like, what would you do if you had all these crests and gargs and leeches and stuff? Like, what would you be putting them in? So, uh, I always keep a bunch of sphagnum moss on hand. I, do, I use that for shows and just, if you're a gecko guy, you're going to have sphagnum moss, right? Like it's, it's one of those things. It's a great, uh, humidity holder, uh, great insulator works great as a bedding, uh, especially like hatchlings. I like to keep bags of that around. Uh, you can pack it a deli, you know, big deli cups, small deli cups, pack it full Tupperware. I mean, you, you got a drawer full of Tupperware somewhere. You got to poke some holes in it, do it. Uh, for all of my animals, I always have a deli cup size that I keep in the closet. Uh, so if I need to grab, you know, cave geckos or whatever, and toss them in deli cups individually. Try not to put animals together. Uh, you're right. stretching something out enough as it is. Even if you have stuff paired up, uh, you know, maybe leeches would be the extreme example of that. Man, I, I, I think I, like absolute worst case, they're together. Yeah, I'm, I think this isn't a live show. I can't show you stuff on camera, but I have I have Tupperware bins uh, mm-hmm. that I use for leeches and stuff like that uh, that are literally just a regular Tupperware that I have a few holes pun- punched in. Uh, plus I've got to separate these animals anyways, when they decide to be shit bags. Um, so throw them in there, <laughs> throw them in there, uh, get them going. Uh, also a, a great thing you can do if you're really in a pinch and you're just out of storage. Uh, if you have racks for snakes, a buddy of mine told me he ended up doing this. He had two by fours of all things in his garage. He literally went out, got two by fours, took a saw, cut them to size, put it on the front of the PVC rack and just drilled screws into each of the layers. That way the rack won't open, grab them, stick them in the back of the truck or the SUV or the car or whatever. Take them. Yeah. Uh, You got to go. You got to go, man. That actually gives me an idea to get together like an emergency checklist thing to put on the website, the the magazine website, and maybe even an article on like, here's what you should have on hand. Give it, you know, wildfires. If you're out West hurricanes, if you're in the Southeast snowstorms or whatever, I mean, you guys don't really evacuate for snowstorms, but yeah, if you had, if, I mean, if you think about it, if you had them in a tub, like a Christmas tree tub and you had enough of those Mm -hmm. heat packs on hand, you could warm up probably three or four of those and keep them in that, in a tub like that and keep everything relatively stable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's ways around it. It's not nearly as difficult as people think it is. I mean, obviously, if you have hundreds of snakes, that's a slightly different story. But if you're, tougher, about a, yeah. if you're talking about a collection like mine, which is, you know, hovers around 40 and, and Phil, who isn't far behind me or probably has more. Um, you no, know, I'm, I'm around 30 right now. So Yeah, there's there's ways it can be done. So, yeah, it, having, we, having some kind of a fallout plan is mm-hmm. <clears throat> pivotal. Yeah, and we were talking in our, our group chat earlier, you know, Casey was bringing up some ideas of, you know, tea candles and a terracotta pot. And then I know there's a couple, um, 
with using cinder blocks to kind of like heat up a small room. So like, for example, uh, obviously I don't have to deal with snow in South Florida, at least not until the you know world yeah. stops spinning. Oh, yo, but, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, right. But, uh, but like for hurricanes and stuff, I have a disaster plan that I have to, by law, provide to the state. Yes. Right. right. And the same exact stuff would work identically well for non-venomous as well. And even some of like the geckos and lizards and stuff, uh, even turtles too, you know, in terms of keeping them moist and hydrated and whatever else. So I'm a firm believer in having uh, an oh shit plan, regardless yeah. of the elements, you know, and it, whether, whether that means just a first aid kit and a box of hand warmers, or you actually have like Chris has some, you know, extra generators and stuff. Yeah. Well, how I also are you, how are you I wonder if you took, you know, those little, the little discs they put under like buffet trays at banquets and stuff that light little Stern kerosene. Up. Yeah. yeah like if you had something like that with one of those terracotta pots. Yeah. If you had a couple of those, I don't know how long those last. I mean, it seems like they last a really long time as far as like really slow burning. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that might be an idea. I don't know that I'd do that in a small room. Yeah. But might be I, better than you know tea lights or tea you know if, if it's a situation where you're not going to have you're not leaving right like you're staying where you're at <clears throat> uh, uh and you have a sizable collection you're investing in it you know maybe you, you've got animals that are you know a hundred look at the net worth of your animals let's say you have 10 snakes that's probably over a thousand dollars worth of snakes right like was mm -hmm. most 100 200 300 easily easily why not invest in a $500 generator that can run a space heater or a, a small plug and play air conditioner. They make those. I've, I've got a, I've got a big one, but that's because uh, you know, I just do. Uh, and I also use it for brumation. Uh, yeah. I mean, why, you think about it, you really only need a generator to run your fridge. Yeah. Like your room and then whatever other small appliances that are like necessities. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, you don't have to run it 24 seven. You could run it for a few hours at a time and, and keep things you know, at, at lower than room temp, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, a, a space heater will warm a room after a period of time in any insulated room, you know, cover the windows, uh, right. put some towels on the floors, a, a simple space heater. That's a low wattage item running off of that generator is going to warm that room probably even hotter than you want it to some point. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're, grab one of those thermostats, plug it in too. You know what I mean? Make sure you don't go over 80 degrees or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there, there's there's constructive ways to think about it and and there's there's simple ways to think about it now if you've got five leopard geckos and and you love them more than anything uh you you might not have the extra funds for a generator but you yourself are going to be in a situation where you're warm enough to take those five geckos with you uh you know and try and keep them warm even if you have to take towels and insulate the boxes and it gets down to the 50 degree range you can probably increase that temperature by 10 degrees just by doing a good job of packing around it I mean, yeah. even if you have like an empty, I, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily, necessarily no. <laughs> oh my God, uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a uh, Yeti, but any sort of small cooler, Yeah, one of those heat packs, that would be more than enough to, yep. to keep those mm -hmm. things where they I've should. Even, I've had friends in college that were living up north and they lost power for a weekend and they mm -hmm. deli cut some geckos and they put them in bed with them under the comforter, you know? Yeah. Why not? Just, they, just made it work. Yeah. You know, uh, when I, I moved, uh, my, my late mentor, he moved from South Florida to North Carolina and, uh, I wound up driving his truck with all the snakes in it. It was well over, 
it was probably right around maybe 150, 200 animals. And uh, about half of them were venomous. And when I got to the house, it was an empty building. They hadn't got their furniture yet. They hadn't, I don't even think the power was turned on. So like, here I am in this empty house with no electricity. It's like 20 something degrees out in the, in the mountains. And I got a headlamp, a handheld flashlight. I got a, a D cell battery powered aerator for his stupid, crazy, exotic tropical fish that I have in five gallon buckets. <laughs> trying to make sure that they don't freeze Better you know, pull some macgyver shit right yeah and i wound up uh, uh the the realtor who sold them the house showed up and gave me um uh like some provisions some snacks and stuff and then she brought me an extra blanket and an extra sleeping bag and i i literally put all the snake bags in the bathtub and i slept with them in and the venomous hot boxes in the bathroom because the nice. room was smaller and I knew that my heat and the blankets and I would keep that room warmer and it, it worked out fine. So, I mean, nice. just, you just got to think outside the box, you know, I mean, uh, I a, two nights, but still. Yeah. I had a good buddy up North. Uh, I say up North, maybe a hundred miles North of me, uh, lost power and his house ended up getting down to like in the forties. It's pretty cold. Uh, because he was out power four or five days. And what he did is he took those cheap styrofoam, uh, ice chests, which you probably have a couple laying around, uh, mm-hmm. or you know, any kind of an ice chest would work, and just pack the animals in there and just sealed them up tight and wrap blankets around them, keep them away from a window. I guarantee that the temperature drop in that situation isn't going to be enough to be at that time period dangerous to those animals. Right. You know, right. North American colubrids down at in that let's say low fifties range are probably going to be okay. Uh, I don't see maybe if they just ate, maybe there's some digestion issues, but even then I don't, I don't think that's a, you know, they, they stay active. They're, they're, they're brew mating at that temperature. Um, there are some sensitive species, your, your, your high temp pythons, your, your blue tongue skinks and stuff like that. But even those animals can take cool blasts for a couple of days yeah. uh, and seemingly be all right. Uh, reptiles are resilient resilient animals uh they they've they've existed on this earth for so many years for a reason uh just just like the intuitiveness of mammals uh to to get to where we we are now uh blows my mind uh my so in my office i I have a a colionix mitratus and uh he's my office gecko well my office lost power immediately on sunday uh and we had no way we had planned on going into work on monday didn't think it was a big deal. Roads are closed. I mean, literally the roads were closed. Any major road, any major highway closed. Ends up being closed until last night. We didn't get power back at the shop until this morning. And it was down in the teens. Uh, and we're in an old, 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 old building. So I know that my office was in the low 40s, high 30s. Had to have been. I mean, the water bottles were still cold in the office, you know, stuff like that. Uh, that gecko was fine, totally fine. He dug down into the substrate, stayed in his little hide. And you know, he's got he's got a heat lamp uh, that comes on, gets him up to about 84, 86 degrees uh, on one portion of his tank that's on a 12-hour timer. Um, or, or sorry, ceramic heat emitter. Said that totally wrong. Uh, and I shut it goes off at night and nighttime temperatures there. I've been there in the middle of the night, 76 degrees or so. Mm-hmm. This dude got down had to have been extremely, extremely cold, but he was able to self-regulate by, you know, burrowing down, staying a little warmer. And when in this morning power was back on, he was warming up and little dude was happy as could be. I mean, that happy, didn't look emaciated, didn't look dehydrated, didn't have water for a couple of days, but 
you know, I keep a, a little water bowl in there for situations like that instead of just misting. But yeah, bulletproof little animal, but just shows what a what a tropical species yeah. can do in a situation like that. It's what they do, man. I think it, it leads. There's this sort of, and I guess I mean it's. I've come to find that a lot of species are actually the exception and not necessarily the rule, but. <clears throat> Like people have always been under the impression that reptiles need to be kept hot. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, I think it's safe to say that probably a solid 80 to 90% of species, like if you're comfortable, they're comfortable kind of thing. Like, yeah, sure. I mean, that may be even a little conservative of a, of a guesstimate, but I mean, you think about it, like heat will kill pretty much any reptile. Oh yeah, way faster than cold ever will. Right. You know, so there that is just a, makes me wonder, like, how many species do we keep too warm? Because I, you know, a lot of my stuff, it usually I don't have thermostat set higher than maybe eighty-five, and even then, most of the time it's a little lower. Like those Python portal tubs I have, I can have that thermostat set at eighty-five. It's so well insulated most of the time that it feels way warmer than that, and I usually end up cranking it down a little bit just because it's like too ambient in a sense like too warm like ambient temps yeah. get too warm to where it's like yeah it might be 86 but it's like constant yeah you know and i mean boy you don't mind but i don't i don't really like it you know i don't i, I know personally uh people that keep corn snakes at essentially room temperature somewhere between 76 and 78 uh they're not breeding them you know they're not looking for warmer temperatures to get them activated but uh never i mean never had a problem i, I literally know a girl that's had one in a 20 gallon aquarium uh, water bowl, pine shavings, you know, a stick. And that's, mm -hmm. that's just, that room stays 75, 76 degrees. Things like 12 years old, doing great. Nice. So nice. What, uh, what, what did that say about those animals? You know, they're, they're all, I mean, obviously barring some of the more sensitive species that, you know, like Euromastics, like obviously Euromastics yeah. room probably aren't going to do great. Um, but I just, but, I feel like we're, the desert gets cold, man. Yeah, you're right. And so it's like, I mean, would they would nighttime drops be effective with those if we're keeping them in activity? Because I mean, or keeping them in captivity? Because I know they're that's a group that's not bred very often. I mean, I know ornates used to be bred probably the most out of all of them, but yeah, like I wonder if that had had a factor. And I don't, I really don't know. But I, I remember reading. Uh, I forget, man. I want to say it was a reptiles magazine or something about nephurus geckos. And somebody had shipped one and it got stuck in the icy cold tundra of the north while being shipped uh, for a couple of days. And then when they got the box, it was like they actually like temp gunned it. It was like 30 degrees or 32 degrees. And the gecko was actually upside down in the deli cup and they took it out. And they're like, well, it's dead. Right. Like, yeah, oh, this literally warmed it up. Gecko was great. Yeah, there was a, I had a friend who was living out on the Indian reservation out west. And uh, this was many, many years ago. He was one of the you know tour guides out there on the reservation, and he used to keep a juvenile retic in um, in what they have. It's a thatched hut. It's called a chiki. And you know, on the on the long weekends when he had like major, major tours going on, he would live out in that chiki, and he just kept the retic, you know, in a, a, a PVC enclosure in there. There was electricity, you know, but it's all open air. So one night yeah. he forgot that. The snake was in there and it was like 31 or 32 degrees fahrenheit oh, wow. and he finds the dead snake so he literally got a, a a desk lamp that happened to be like in an office 
and just stuck it on the table dead under the heat lamp, under the, the desk yeah. lamp, excuse me. And it came back to life in like an hour and a half. Yeah. So, and just to go back to what we we're talking about, like, you know, desert gets cold. I just Googled yeah. the temperature of Egypt of Cairo right now. So right now it's 4 a.m. in Cairo and it's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. See? Wow. So, you know, I mean, that's exactly, uh, you know, there, there is, there is definitely a caveat to be put in there. I think prolonged exposure to cool, uh, especially with, yeah. you're getting your RIs, you're going to start having mouth rot and all kinds of crazy issues, uh, stress, uh, obviously, but man, for, for, for what these things can, can, can do and, and, and how, how bulletproof they are. But, but let me tell you something, you, you take a, you take a lychee or something like that and get it over 90 degrees uh, for about a day and it ain't going to be alive. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I'd, I'd be so much more afraid of uh, the, the two things I'm the most afraid of with reptiles is too hot. And that's why I have a portable, a big giant portable AC unit that I can plug into a generator. Uh, because when a hurricane comes in August or whatever, uh, and it's a hundred, literally a hundred degrees outside and I lose power for two days. My house is going to heat up a lot faster than it's going to cool down. Uh, it's stay it, it, dehydration is the next one. Uh, I, I'm terrified uh, of stuff getting dehydrated. Uh, your, your young snakes, even big snakes, anything doesn't have some, some access to some level of humidity, especially if you're shipping or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's heat and dehydration. Those are, I, I don't care how desert that species is. Uh, you're, you know, it, 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 at some point it needs some moisture in its life, whether it's through its food uh, or, or it's through some kind of a water source or even just like a misting or something like that. But there's a happy medium with everything. I just, I wonder if we baby a lot of the species that we have and they can actually like, you can keep them cooler and they, a it might, I mean, cause they've, I hate that every episode I go back to chondros. But, <laughs> Dude, it's, they're great examples of what we thought was great and well, that, yeah. right and that's what i'm talking about like with that julander phillip book on green trees yeah. that was one of the main points they drove home was we're keeping them too hot and it's like yeah. they found those out literally in ambush position on a tree in like the low 50s they find that they're actually more active when they're not kept super hot because they yeah. get so hot that they almost go into like this estivation kind of thing uh, mm -hmm. and so I wonder that makes me really wonder like is is that the case with a lot of species that we're keeping and no one because like what we've talked about previously is because some you know a handful of people said this is the way we've we do it it works and no one questions it I don't know I mean brettles like I there's been multiple times where I mean my female brettles right now she's never had heat that yeah. room stays in like the mid to upper 70s she does fine yeah. she does not care eats fine everything you know and I mean, that's, I've, I think they're, they're kind of an exception because like I said, those things, what they experience naturally is, it's pretty it's wild. ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're tanks, but yeah, I got a, I'm, I'm, I'm babysitting some lesser Sunda pythons for Casey and I have them in my bedroom at uh, 71 degrees with no heat lamp and they are eating, they are drinking, they have shed, they're pooping, they are active they're going in i have a human i have human hides in each in each of their enclosures and they're loving it so just out of morbid curiosity i just the same way i just did cairo i just did flores island in indonesia and it's 10 a.m and it's 80 degrees fahrenheit so oh wow yeah that's like i'm right on par you know it'll Those warm up aka timor pythons for anybody that that way we don't confuse people yeah touche touche 
Lesser uh, Sunda. We were talking about that. Like Lesser Sunda is the per, the the more accurate term as far as where they come from because they're right. actually not found on Timor at all, right? Correct. Yeah. So Timor's a I little thought. misleading, but yeah. Uh, when I had my my snakes all in brumation, let's say my temps were between the low fifties, maybe you know trying to shoot for that fifty five number, all the way up to you know sixty five, uh, mid to high sixties. Uh, corn snakes for the most part. They get under the bedding and kind of just do their thing. Uh, rat snakes got under the bedding in their little hide and they kind of stayed there. Bitchy office burning, dude. Then things don't stop. They are constantly. My bears were out and about the whole yeah. time. I, I had a female, my female Kankakee bull snake shed uh, in brumation. I had one. <laughs> one of the Loma Altas did too. Yeah. See, I actually <laughs> talked to a couple people a little more seasoned in this and they said, okay, wait until she's like, you know, that the shed is like a day or two away, pull her out, make sure she has water, put her in her tub at whatever, you know, normal temp, and then just put her back in after she sheds. I, mm-hmm. I did exactly that. She did perfect. Uh, she lost a ton of weight. Uh, that was something I was concerned about that animal. Um, out of all my pitiophis, I had six in brumation. Um, that female lost probably 40% of her body weight, maybe 35% of her body weight. She's, I, I sent y'all videos of it. Uh, yeah. She was paper thin. I, I, I was terrified. I, I had that snake. Uh, th- this is four years now. I could have bred her last year and I didn't because I wanted to give her an extra year because the Kankakees are just smaller and I'm not in any rush, yeah. right? You're not, you're, I mean, it's a bull snake, right? Like bring the bull snake's not going to prove me to the world. Uh, and I, I was like, this is it. I, I killed the snake. There's no way she's bouncing back. And then small mice every day. So I gave her a small mouse every day, every day, every day. And she was chomping them down. No problem. No problem. No problem. Drinking a ton of water. Uh, and then got her back up to a small rat. Swear I was giving her a small rat every three days. Now uh, she got a positive lock twice last night from her. She was locked nice. up with him for a couple hours. And she's every bit, if not girthier than him. She's she's a monster. Uh nice ate a rat for me tonight. Sometimes after they lock up, sometimes the females or the males will kind of refuse food for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, she jammed a rat, no problem. So, I mean, it, it's wow. What, what, how resilient can these things be? You know, yeah. uh, I, now, now yeah. I get there's, there's species out there. Uh, look at chameleons. Uh, so many, uh, so, such more sensory sensitive animals, uh, especially with temperature, light, uh, humidity, ventilation, uh, a bronia can go into that category. There's a lot of stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, and, I mean, you're talking a little different when you get into like the montane species and stuff. Yeah, and so yeah. it's a different, different sort of ballpark in a sense. Yeah, uh, like look at montane kings. I would have no problem keeping montane kings without heat in a room that's 74 to 76 degrees. I don't have an issue with it at all. Uh, I kept gray banded king snakes for 11 years. Uh, with no heat in our house that stayed about 78. That was my apartment. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get it colder than 78. Uh, and and, and uh, never, never, ever once experienced a, a bad shed, never experienced a, a, a regurgitation, never a meal undigested. Uh, it's just, they're, they're, it's amazing, man. What a, what a, what a, you know, I, I wish, I wish we were like that, right? Like, I don't have a, I don't have a, a Wendy's twice a week i get i just get fussy right like i'm just i'm just pissed <laughs> yeah. but I'm yeah, I, seem like. <laughs> <laughs> I am undoubtedly everything uh yeah. yeah so it's just real real neat to see stuff like that and experience it firsthand you know i 
you, you can keep these things your whole life. I've had reptiles since I was a, a baby, I, I, as far as I remember. You know, hashtag rest in peace, Sandy. My homie, forty year old red ear slider, passed away this week. Uh, yeah, that was my mom. Normal. Yeah, uh, that that turtle was given to my parents when I was born, and it was an adult, and they thought it was three or four years old. And I'm oh, wow. thirty six in March. Uh, beautiful animal. I don't I don't know if forty years is a good lifespan for a red ear slider. I'm sure they could live longer than that. It's longer uh, than this, a long time I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I mean, what a what a what a neat thing! But gosh, that turtle went through everything. I, I you know they kept it in their kitchen by the window, you know, in like a twenty gallon aquarium. What you know? What's what's funny is so before we bought the house, I lived across town, and that house it was literally us, the street, other row houses, marsh, and then up the street from that house there was this. So because of the tides and stuff, they built these ponds that help sort of keep that the, those tides from going places where it's not supposed to. Right. So there's this like retention pond in a sense that has pipes where it can ebb and flow with the tides naturally. But I was walking one day <clears throat> and I saw a turtle and I look in and this is like, like we're talking like salt water and there's a freaking red eared slider just chilling, like swimming around just chilling, doing his thing. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? The, the, uh, huh? the, Oh, Oh, what's that? Tell uh, South Carolina DNR. <laughs> the uh, Oso Wildlife Park by my house that I, I'm always raving about. Uh, hashtag Jake. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Where he got bit. It's there's there's no fresh water there. It's like an an Oso. It's not even like an estuary. It's literally just the ocean, right? Yeah. No fresh water, and there's more Western Diamondback rattlesnakes per square foot over there than I'm going to guess anywhere in the world. Uh, they're, they're just literally everywhere. And, and it's, you know, what's, I mean, that animal's not sitting there drinking out of a, a water dish every night uh, where, you know, I'm sure there's condensation. I'm sure that there's, there's things that generate fresh water for it. Uh, but they, they find them in the salt water all the time. Right. Like they're wow. just, there. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw a video one morning, me and my kid were out there and uh, there was a, a big one coming out of like a little sagebrush, and uh, mm -hmm. I mean, on the sand right next to the ocean. Oh like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I mean that's that's salt water, right? I mean, like, they find eastern diamondbacks down here all the time in salt water because we don't have fresh water. Like any, I think every body of fresh water in South Carolina, I believe, is man-made. Okay, um, really. But like here on the coast, you know, we have all the barrier islands and stuff, and so it's like super well documented that eastern diamondbacks like literally drift from these islands. And they're in salt water when they like when they when people see them. Mm -hmm. Even wow, gators, awesome. they'll find gators that sometimes you'll see a gator in the in the salt water in the creeks and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's usually temporary, but it's not unheard of. It's not impossible. Yeah. Man, yeah. yeah, amazing, amazing. It's we. I, I think we take uh, too many things for granted that were given to us by the knowledge of previous keepers and breeders, and, and I and I don't think we take enough. Uh, of our own initiative on a lot of this stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an ever evolving hobby, which is, you know, it is a hobby, but at the same time, it's, it's a, it's a, a natural observation. We're all into iNaturalist and going out and finding these, these things in the wild and documenting what we find. And I mean, you're, you're just as excited to see some beautiful, absolutely crown snake, <laughs> Southeastern crown snake, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, 
I, I found a decays, uh, a little decays uh, brown snake in my in my front yard one night, and it was like 50 degrees outside. I sent you all a little picture of it, and it's just like I'm so excited, right? Just like you're so pumped up for something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's like you know you go to a show and you see like a monocle leucistic monocle cobra, or I don't even know if that's a thing, but hooded up. And you're like, ah, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not even that cool, right? Like, right. eyes right. probably fall out, and it's gonna get a swelling on its face. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah man so it's it, it's neat man and, and you know i i obviously we're experiencing colder temperatures than we ever have here in corpus christi uh south texas is getting hit pretty hard by it but i i, I guarantee you the 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 fauna the the herptofauna here is gonna be fine we're still gonna find rat snakes this year we're still gonna find atrox we're still gonna you know fingers crossed find tomalip and milk snakes and stuff like that so that's, yeah. that's uh, you know I I don't I don't worry about them I, I worry about the people and the dipshits and the you know the the personal collections that, that you know you don't you people that maybe don't have fallout plans uh, don't don't really have uh, something like that and and those are who are the people I worry about those are the people I'm, I'm praying for you know that, that that are able to bounce back and everything to do all right yeah yeah crazy so I actually I do wonder since I mean. Obviously, you guys are having a real winter. Like we've had a colder winter than what we've had in previous years here in South mm-hmm. Carolina, and I wonder if that has an effect on, you know, when you have a very clear cut season like a cooling season compared to previous years where like Christmas Day it's like seventy five. Yeah, like if that affects sort of, I guess fecundity is the best word, you know, oh, in yeah. natural groups. If that actually causes like a bigger surge in reproduction and stuff, absolutely uh, in native species. You, you've got to imagine that it does. Uh, you, you know, you you hear these stories of years where, uh, and I, I swear it happens here, but maybe I don't pay enough attention. Where like the, we only found males this year. We didn't find any females this year. We were out mm-hmm. and we only found males. And then the next year, it's wow, I got seven females. Didn't see a single male. It's like you know, and, and maybe we're just looking at babies on this, not adults. Usually, you find males uh, cruising looking for females, but. Uh, it's it's crazy, man. I, you know, you hear stories of, of of people like that. Man, I've even heard stories of personal collections. I, in fact, I, the the Chihuahua episode you had uh, last last episode, great great episode by the way, guys, it was awesome. Thank, uh, you. thank you. They uh they they were talking about how everybody will produce males for like two years, and then everybody will produce females for a season, and, and it's, it's wild that stuff like that happens. And there's you know not necessarily a rhyme or a reason uh, for for that. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that it, people don't always think about it like that. But, you know, we see everyone in private collection and captive husbandry talking about how, oh, because of the crazy weather we've been having, you know, we try and keep our, our snakes cool for the appropriate season to, to do the, the quote-unquote cooling. But, you know, you always hear, like, guys like Burke and Owen and them and, and some of the, the guys who are more open about their practices and they have ups and downs and, you know, Billy had a horrible year last year, unfortunately, because yeah, of weather swings and uh, unforeseen circumstances. But it's got to be the same thing in the wild. It has to yeah, be. It has to be. It literally has to be. Right. And like you think about how like I, I, I was literally as you're saying this going through my mind of the animals that I've seen this winter. And it's it was very few and far between because we have had a very chilly winter for South Florida. But some of the animals I saw, I'd never even seen before. Like, for example, I found a water snake that I just thought was just an ugly green water snake. Come to find out it's another species of water snake that's called a pale, pale bellied water snake, I think it's called. And I'd never okay. seen one before in my life. 
Hmm. And I, huh. I was showing a picture to my friend, and he's like, dude, that's a pale belly. And I'm like, what? Wow. What's a pale belly? Is this an ugly right. Florida? No, man, look, look, look at the difference in the side scales and the belly. And I'm like, oh, wow, dude, I could saw new species I didn't even know existed. So I wonder if it's because I was out herping in the cold. And yeah. maybe that's maybe that's a colder animal or prefers a colder temperature. And it wouldn't shock me if we see a ton of corn snakes this year, a ton of yellow rats this year, a ton of Nerodia this year, because yeah. everyone had a legit season. Yeah. See, we, we had an extremely uh, warm winter, right? Like we literally had like two days under 40 degrees. And then uh, let's see here, Saturday, um, it was – Maybe no, not Saturday. Maybe, maybe Thursday or Friday. It was like eighty-six degrees, right? Like straight up. If you're not in shorts, you're you're dead, right? Obviously, right, right. Uh, and then Saturday it started cooling off, and it was it was a cooler day. And then boom, Sunday hits. This massive storm comes in, and it's like, whoa, where was this? We're never this cold uh, in in February, right? Like, not that I can remember. Maybe maybe it's happened in, in my life, and, I, and I'm just saying this wrong. Uh, what does what does that do? You know, February is when I usually start seeing Aatrox, right? Like, I, if I go back and look at my pictures and videos, uh, I'm out walking at the park. Maybe it's a you know 50, 60 degree afternoon. They're sitting there chilling on the on the pathways, warming themselves up before the night, uh, kind of hitting that crepuscular time time zone. And, and it's like I wasn't going to the park looking for them because I thought it was too hot, you know. And then all of a sudden, excuse me there's this right. And, and it's, it's, and so, and, and I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't lead to a negative season, but maybe, I don't know, mother nature has to have it figured out. Right. Like yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's, you know, there, there's going to be good years. There's going to be bad years. It, it's something that I have been thinking about too lately is I noticed that there is obviously seasonal variation in the amount of a particular animal that I see, right? And that's yeah. anything, right? So like I know that August into September is is going to be leopard frog season, so to speak. And there's mm-hmm. tens of thousands of them on the roads out in the swamps. So like it makes me wonder like in Justin's neck of the woods, like do you see more frog activity? Do you see more turtle activity, which would then lead to more snake activity or, or vice versa? Like, like Chris, yeah. when you see – the fence lizards come out. Do you mm-hmm. know that like the time is upon us to see yeah. or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, we see six line race runners uh, in, in late spring, early summer. Uh, and they're all over the place. I mean, there's babies everywhere. Yeah, we have a lot of them here everywhere. Uh, yeah. They, I believe are the longest ranging species of reptile in North America. God, somebody's going to correct me on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I believe six line race runners are one of the longest ranging species uh, in North America and down into Mexico. And I believe they, they even go uh, far, far, far West. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they will be, you know, and plus somebody's going to lump them all together. They're all the same species anyways. Uh, so, so, and then you see around that time, you'll see a lot of rough green snakes. You'll see a lot of garter snakes. You'll see, see a lot of stuff like that. Then it'll go into a, uh, Scoloporus, uh, the, the spiny fence lizards. Um, and you'll start seeing more. That's when you'll start seeing your king snakes, your rat snakes. And I'm guessing it's as they start getting sized on them, that's when those animals are out uh, preying on them. Right. Uh, yeah. what, what is it? Is that there is something there to that? I don't have it figured out. I'm guessing as I'm talking about it. But, you know, 
there, there's got to be some kind of an equation in there. There's a, you know, there's a predator prey model for everything, right? Sure. I, yeah. sure. Amazingly, when I was going through college for math, uh, that's one of the things we actually studied was predator prey models. And they talked about as certain animals start having babies, these are the ones that start preying. These are the ones that start coming out. This is when this animal's breeding season and, and, and mating season is because this is when these animals are hatching. And, and, and yeah. I mean, we see that with, with Asian species, you know, yeah. chondros, boiga, uh, like rainfall means it's that time. Yeah. And it's because that has food moving. And when food moving, that's when it's time to make more of a species and like get it while you can. Cause that's where the availability is it's like a supply and demand yeah. kind of relationship too. Yeah. And then, you know, this year I had, I had a, a species lock up and definitely breed. I know because I cleaned snakes even for 30 minutes afterwards <laughs> that I didn't brumate that, you know, luckily talking with uh, with the gentleman that had had previously had these animals, they said that it not, wasn't necessarily indicative to that group that they needed to brumate. But you get online and you read about you know eastern black king snakes, you you don't brumate them; they're not breeding, right? Any, any of these king snakes, if you don't keep them low, cold, three four months, they are not going to come out and breed. And you know, I got a male and a female happen to shed the same day, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll throw them together. You know, we're bored; everything else is in the cooler. And, uh, you know, five and a half hours of breeding later and, and, a, and a squeegee and a roll of paper towels, uh, you know, <laughs> I got, I got a female that's looking real girthy now. Uh, nice, nice. I hope, I hope she goes the distance and, and, you know, uh, God willing, she will. And, and, but yeah, that was, you know, so there's, there's still those experiences that can be had. Uh, I, I had a female snake, uh, a corn snake ovulating this year that I hadn't brumated. Uh, and, and I knew it was an obvious ovulation. Uh, she hadn't shed or anything. And I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to throw her in with a male. And that was actually my first lockup of the season. Uh, I just threw a random male that I had extra here. Uh, and, and they, they locked up and I, I don't think it took because she's not really showing any signs uh, of gravidity. I don't know if that's the right word. We'll make up words today. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, she's not looking gravid. Uh, so maybe the take, I wasn't really playing, but the male definitely knew something was going on. The female was definitely receptive to it. It wasn't, you know, he didn't have her pinned down to the wall or anything. It was, it was a, it was a consensual breeding between the two uh, or as, as much as it could be. So there, you know, as a collect, as a collector and somebody that has a larger collection, you'll start noticing, you can tell when things are ovulating, you can tell when things are kind of ready to go. So something to kind of take into mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, Justin, just out of curiosity, are the Barrett's keeled at all or no? I have a pair that I've talked about that I question right. where they came from or if they're 100% Baird. Right. Uh, and it's because they seem to be more heavily keeled than my other ones. But but they are they a keeled species or no? Not heavily, like I mean, Chris may be able to chime in. Like Texas rats, Do Texas rats yeah. have like a slight keel to them, like a very, very yeah subtle. All of the obsoleta, we're just gonna lump all of because there's really three main rat snake groups. Uh, depending on you know, no, there's not taxonomy. There's there's three main. There's there's like one. The <laughs> Although there's pantherophis, but then you have like your obsoleta snakes, or what were formerly obsoleta, and then you've got your uh, gutata snakes, uh, or which were previously gutata, and then you've got your uh, vulpina, uh, your fox snakes, and they're more northern. They're different. See, your fox snakes actually do have some some uh, pretty obvious dentation, some keeling to their scales. Uh, your right. obsoleta, it's kind of interesting. 
the more west you go, you start getting a little bit more uh, peaking on the scales. There's there's definitely dents in them. Also, you'll see little dentations in their scales. Uh, and then as you go more east, and you know you got your your Everglades, your 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 will be. Uh, we'll call them Eastern rat yeah, snake. Yeah, we we'll, we'll PC tonight. They're all black rat snakes. Your Eastern rat snakes. And, 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 I'll, and I'll falter to to uh, modern uh, taxonomy a bit. And, and and I'm willing to sit back and say, okay, that you know, you classify their their scientific name as what what you want to genomically. That's fine. Uh, but we also can say that this is the locality, so we know yeah, that we have to have a is is drastically different. A, a regional phenotype, and, and, and so I'm willing to, to like kind of go against my better wants and needs to be a collector of all these neat little things, and, and have my special, you know, uh, the, these are these are uh, you know, scrubs. you don't don't just and we know we know. I mean, how are they going to say in 2012 they found a snake down in down south of me, right? That has the genetics of a Slowinski but the phenotypes of a large emery eye, but we're just gonna we're just gonna say that's oh we're sure we're sure that's not we're sure that's not something we're gonna call mealworm right touchy oh. subject it's touchy subject mealworm <laughs> meal mealworm anthropus obsolete mealworm so yes yeah you, you see a lot more dentation a lot more peaking uh, a lot more killedness in the scales and that kind of obsolete range as you go more west see uh, and that which, makes sense because you're seeing more rocky terrain yeah. where that kind of thing is we've come to find that to be sort of an evolutionary common denominator with a lot of like yeah. desert rocky outcrop species exactly i but mean i don't it's it's odd with that pair of birds though because like i said it just seems to be more dramatic but it could also be like yeah. an illusion with the colors and stuff and i actually i'm starting to wonder if it's more of a mexican thing because that pair in particular has the mexican phenotype uh, you know, with the extremely sharply cut off head, you know, with the gray into the the orange and the the yellows. Um, yeah. But then, if you compare it to like the Loma Altas, those seem a lot smoother. You know, the the yeah. rat snake here, the yellow rats we have here, they don't seem to have it. So I no, don't, I don't know. Everglades rats are, are smooth like a python, like a, like a Burmese python or something. They're 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 surprisingly smooth. Uh, well, the reason the reason I ask is because. You know, talking about uh, temperature and animals being able to withstand the cold. It's yeah. just my, I'm not a scientist, but it's just my general observation that a lot of the animals that are way less, way more easygoing with colder temps typically have some kind of keeling to them. So, like you look at uh, you look at Western hognose, you look at all the rattlesnakes of the West. You yeah. know, uh, you look at Pityophis. Out west, you touch a you touch a a, a, a Texas bull, or, or or an Oklahoma gopher or something, and then you touch like a New Jersey pine. It is yeah. it is smoother in Jersey. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, my the 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 uh, keeledness of the scales of my New Jersey uh, northerns are yeah. are minute compared to uh, bull snakes. Bull, bull snakes are pretty. Gnarly. That also that also leads me to believe that maybe it's more of a burrowing thing because like hog noses, you know, they're diggers. Uh Kenyan sandboas, like sure. that last third yeah. of the tail, super heavily keeled. And I think that's mm -hmm. that helped. It's supposed to help aid them in, in moving around and stuff. Uh, yeah. I was so just I thinking, wonder if there's something related there. 
No, he, yeah, he, I agree. I was just thinking, like, you look at some of the stuff I see in South Florida, the only stuff I see moving really consistently in December and February and into January, vice versa, is, you know, Nerodia, Cottonmouths, and then, you know, yeah. I'll, see, I'll see pygmies on a, a, a dreary, you know, for lack of a better synonym, dusky day, pun intended. And, uh, and all of them are heavily keeled. You know, and then yeah. you look at stuff like saw scale vipers in North Africa where, yeah, it's 110 during the day, but it's like 48 at night, you know, in the, in, in the northern parts of the Sahara. And then I just found that picture of the wrinkles two hours north of Durban basking on top of snow. And like yeah. all these animals are heavily keeled, you know, so I, it's just a thought in my mind. And, you know, the more south you go with Pitchofus as you get into like your uh... – your 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 depi complex, your depi depis and depi johnis, and then like my my uh, Pichofus vertebralis, uh, the Baja Cape gophers, and they're they're pretty far south uh, over there in the in the Baja Peninsula. They're like almost not killed. Uh, it's it's weird. They're they're extremely smooth uh, to the point to where if you weren't thinking about them being a kind of killed scale snake uh, compared to a bull snake, you would never <clears throat> never never think that. Uh, and I believe the Depi Jani have an actual integrated zone in, in northern Mexico uh, where they integrate with bull snakes. So they've been found to integrate with bull snakes, which is pretty interesting because usually you don't see an integrate between two animals that are kind of that different. But yeah, it's, it's just the case. Yeah, the I, had that, yeah. <laughs> I had a, a PJD once that was probably like two foot long. I wanted to give it to a friend. And that thing was super soft. I mean, you could still you could still see. The, the, the scales lift off as like the snake turned and contoured yeah. like in, in relation to other pits, dude, that thing was super soft. Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird. And even, you know, I, I'm obviously not a, a taxonomist or a scientist or anything, uh, but m muscle structure, head structure on these animals, it's, it's massively different. Uh, it's, it's really neat. And and that's one thing that I love kind of about my, my collection personally is, uh, is being able to kind of look at the entire complex Right and 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 grab and go with many of them and say okay this one's you know black pine snakes are heavily killed, uh, Florida pine snakes are heavily killed, uh, but you know you keep going up up that coast and then now you're now you're at uh, New Jersey northern pines they are definitely killed, uh, and like and like Justin was saying maybe that has to do with burrowing and stuff but they're they're not as aggressively killed and then you get into bull snakes that are you know sandpaper burn you, uh, and 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 your Sonoran gophers are similar. Uh, yeah. The common yeah. theme I'm seeing is sand. Yeah, and I was just going to say that too. Is like New Jersey pine barrens. That's all soft, sugary sand for the most part. Yeah. You know, or some of the yeah. some of the areas on the the western side of the Pineys is almost like a thick clay, like not as yeah, not as, not as shale like as Georgia and northern Florida and stuff, but it's still soft but dense. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, obviously. All these things had to evolve to be to their their specific locations, and as they evolved, they became you know a different species. And, and like like we've kind of joked around and poked that, you know how 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 different does something have to be to be its own species and not just be a locality phenotype, right? And you could have something that's massively different, but genetically uh, it is essentially the same. Like you know color situations and stuff like that. It's it's, it's pretty pretty damn cool. Bears uh, are a good example of that. Like the yeah. Mexican bears, at one point were considered uh, subspecies, and that's right. they did the they did the work and found that they're not. But I mean, if you saw them next to each other, you'd say that those are clearly different snakes. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if I mean, I've obviously showed y'all and we've talked about it. If you took a South Texas Emory, I uh, sorry, I something stuck in my throat. <laughs> Give me a sec. Up a little. <laughs> if you took a South Texas Emory, a thorn scrub, you know, and, and then, uh, compared it to a Colorado, what used to be inner inner Mon- Montana, I'm not saying that right, uh, but the Emory, they're they're not only are they eight thousand percent different in size. You know, you're talking about a five six foot snake down here, whereas up there you're talking about a three foot snake. Uh, but I mean, look at the difference in coloration, uh, and 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 I, I could almost get down to say that your scalation, your your striping, your head structure is going to be different. Uh, but you know, uh, some pencil with glasses said that they're different or they're the same. So whatever, <laughs> it's not true. And then as you're saying this, I like remind myself that we're talking about all these you know western and deserty and keeled stuff, and then you look at subox. Which is yeah. in the same exact environment, and it's literally liquid silk. <laughs> yeah, you know? that is true. They are, boy, they are like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I love the mine, dude. I, 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 I would like to get at Have least a- another trio. My goal yeah. is to make Subox the Owen Pelly of this show, so that way every show I could bring it up, and Justin could be like, "Hmm, I own that." Mm. Mm. The, uh, they're so cool, uh, man. They're just so like dorky. They and are. The female that Chris sent me is the worst. <laughs> you know, she wasn't. It's kind of funny. She was never really bad here. Uh, but I swear, sometimes you ship an animal or like drive around the neighborhood in a car, it just changes its attitude for the rest of its life. It's like, wait, what? Sure. The sure. males are cool. Like both the males are chill. That female though, she's like, she's ready to go, dude. That's Every you time. know, the the Bajas are so different than subox in the way they do. They're not aggressive, like at all. They're like the most placid animal, but they are like the second you touch them or get around them, they're like, I have to leave. And they're not squirmy like a, like a, like a, like a, what, like an Othriophis or one of these like Chinese uh, rat snakes or something. They're, they're calculated. It's, it's neat when you, when you're, they're kind of constantly trying to figure out how to, how to get away. And so, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like holding the subox, you can see them kind of tilt their head and like yeah. they're looking at you. Like they're fully. Like the book kind of talked about it a little bit, and when yeah. you see it firsthand, you're kind of like, it's it's like this thing where they know something gigantic is holding me, and they're yeah. like, I I probably should run, but I know if I kind of chill out and just sort of slowly work my way away. Yeah, you know, the uh, uh, weird. Of all the stuff that I've 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 had the luck to work with snake wise, um, the ones that have shown kind of and I hate to call it intelligence, but I guess it's what we've got to you know call it. Uh, your Bogotrophus, the two Bogotrophus species are definitely like a clicked up a little higher, uh, and, and then I've kind of seen the same thing out of the uh, fox snakes. Fox snakes have kind of a, an interesting uh, attitude to them where they kind of they're not. They're not aggressive. They're not placid. They're kind of just always trying to gauge a situation to, to see what they're going to do. Uh, whereas I mean, yeah. you, got a, you, got, you got a spunky bull snake. Guess what? It's probably always going to be a spunky bull snake. Uh, I, I do believe that with, as they are small, I, the snake doesn't recognize you. It, it doesn't, it may recognize food. You know what I mean? It, it, but I think as babies, 
maybe the first year of its life, if you're handling them a lot, I have found that with the, with the Pidgeophis, it chills them out. Uh, I don't have any medium to large or adult size that are like even at all aggressive. Let's not call it defensive. Defensive is the right word. Right, right, right. Uh, whereas babies are kind of just like that. But then again, that may be a natural instinct as a baby to be more defensive because you're right. not six foot long, you know. Yeah, everything wants to eat you. Yeah. <clears throat> so that just might that might just be that at play there. Uh we like to think it's more, you know, I, I held, you know, fluffy snuggle bumpkin, my moon dragon uh, every night for three hours. And now I can, you know, sleep next to her or whatever, but it might, it might just be the, the, the you know, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. It doesn't stuff up. It's fine. It works. Yeah, it works. It's uh, a, from my experience with those animals, that's, a, I mean, I, I tell you what, you go mess with pitch office when they're brumating. They ain't happy, man. That's I don't I don't know what it is. The, the pitch of us, they stay they stay moving even at 52, 50, 52, 53 degrees. They're cruising. Uh, you know, they're 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 constantly kind of doing their thing. Uh, and and you go mess with them, go freshen their water or whatever you're doing, and you'll get some neat just defensive displays uh, from them. It's 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 pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. I just Googled snakes in snow and <laughs> it's atrocious because it's 50% Vipera species in Europe and the other 50% is just fake. <laughs> like like a Burmese python superimposed in like into like a snowdrift, like Photoshop. And it's like nice. this was found in, you know, the mountains of New York or wherever it was. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Uh, this is why you can't have them in New York, Phil. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. So. Well, awesome, man. So. I didn't think this this show was going to be an hour's worth of weather talk, but it panned out. Pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, this is you know it's been pretty pretty interesting to talk a lot about you know uh, climate and, and and how it affects personal collections and 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 how climate affects a particular species. You know, we, we, every, every species has its own way of dealing with all of these different things. I mean, you've seen all the videos of the garter snakes out in the snow. And stuff oh like yeah. That. Oh yeah. It's crazy stuff. Yeah, man. And like the fox snakes coming out and like basking on top of frost. Oh dude. Yeah. You know, fox it's snakes. so cool. Feeling fox, fox snakes are a, are a, are a, are a really interesting species. Mm. Uh, I kind of, I, I kind of like. It's one of those things. Like, yeah, I really wish these were more popular in the hobby. But there's yeah. reasons they're not. They're a little tougher to breed. It sounds like uh, they're they're not a every year breeder. Also, uh, yeah, it, it's just not something that's going to always happen. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like a hurdle we'll get to. They also they have comparative to other rat snake species. They have like growth spurts. Like you'll 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 feed them the same, and it'll seem like okay, they're not they're not growing. But that's fine, you know. We're not we're not trying to power feed these animals, and then all of a sudden they'll get like eight inches of growth in, in like two months. You're like, whoa, what happened? And it, it, you know, I, I haven't not seasoned enough to have been ke keeping up. Say that's like seasonal, uh, but it is. But it is pretty pretty cool. I remember very vividly an old article in Reptiles about fox snakes in like the early two thousands. Yeah. And that's always stuck out to me. Every time I hear fox snakes, I think of that article. They're cool, man. They're uh, they're 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 a really neat kind of kind of dull looking animal that kind of gets really pretty. 
I think I think I think kind of some of the funkier North Americans, specifically uh, United States, colubrids are starting to gain a lot more popularity uh, as we kind of walk away and, and diversify ourselves from kind of the morph craze. Uh, but that's a natural progression of anything. You know, we we go through the the ball python thing, and then it then it reels back into some of the giant python and and, and stuff, and then carpet pythons get massively popular and then, you know, leopard geckos had their day and, you know, the, the hobby waxes and wanes, uh, it, whatever is kind of put forth into social media now kind of ha- has mm-hmm. a bigger, uh, sure. of course. I don't know. I just, I've actually been looking at liar snakes because I've, oh, yeah. always, I've always found them fascinating and I definitely want to find them in the wild. That's definitely a, a one of those dumb bucket species like mm-hmm. I don't want to necessarily go out of my way to find them, but when I do find it in the wild, it's going to be a monumentous day. Um, and I honestly, I think it, it's a lot of nipper too, you know, because yeah. nipper will send me pictures on occasion of them, and like they're one of those bug-eyed, goofy, transpacos yeah. wannabe snakes too, you know. And yeah, just, well, it's interesting, like the centicolus. Yeah. Uh, in that Boiga paper that I uploaded to the magazine group on Facebook, they talk about how there is a common ancestor not far down the line between Boiga and Centicolus. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and there's, 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 sense. there's there's two species of the, the greens, right? Yeah. There's uh, like, a, uh, there's like a, a northern and then just like a plains one, right? Yeah. Wait, Centicolus. Uh, no, I'm thinking of... Uh, I thought you were talking about Triaspis. Uh, no, I'm talking about over over in the Mideast. Um, ah, <clears throat> oh, man, I got to look it up. Are you talking about the Aesculapalians? I, I probably just butchered that word. Uh, that starts with a Z, though. Um, I know there's an Aesculapalian rat snake over in Europe. Telescopus is what I'm thinking of, not Centicolus. Yeah, you're thinking of Telescopus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is Telescopus is definitely Boyga's cousin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. I'm not actually sure what, what's the common name on that one. Uh, it, usually, it's like uh, uh, the ones you usually see is a uh, Telescopus semiannulatus, which is your East African tiger snake. They go from uh, southern Ethiopia down, you know, all the way down into like northern, northeastern South Africa, and you know, Lesotho area. Uh, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, that kind of thing. But there's also a, a big group of them that is in the Near East. So I'm pretty sure there's like one in Lebanon. There's one in northern Israel. There's one in Jordan. Okay. Uh, so it's it's like a it's like a less arboreal deserty boiga. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I got those mixed up, but <laughs> but no, Chris, I knew what you were talking about. Centicola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're related to. What are those green rats? Is that the green rat? Yeah, the, the the western green rat. Uh, yeah, but, that, but that's the, there's there's like a northern one and there's like a plains or prairie one, right? Yeah, there, there's one that's I, I believe south, uh, which is going to be in that kind of northwest area of Mexico, and, like, and, and like it's like Chihuahua area, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I I know some people actually working with uh, green rats. That, that's a that's a little bit of a tricky species. Again, I think I think they kind of realize. Uh, late, late on working with those, that uh, temperature was a major factor that they're keeping them too hot. Uh, you know, 
you, you can't throw every single one of these species into a box at 85 degrees and say it's going to do great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, with, with, with my collection, any of my pitchyophis, all my rat snakes, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of very, very lucky to, to have the entire gamut uh, of just about every species of pitchyophis and just about every species of rat snake. Uh, I, uh, North American, uh, of yeah. course. Um, I, I keep them all at about 82 degrees hotspot, uh, cool side around 76. Um, I do that because in my city, it can be 108 degrees and my room is not going to be 76 degrees anymore. So that hotspot's now going to be in that 75 or 85, uh, 85 range. But there's, there's animals. I have to be really careful. Uh, some of the, I do have some Chinese uh, rat snakes, uh, some Othriophis tanacata. Man, I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, and then I have uh, the Ridley eye, which which will uh, you don't want to get those hot at all. Yeah, no, can't do that. And, and same thing, you know, Rachidactylus stuff. Uh, the the gargs and the leeches, they 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 can they can take a little more heat than we give them credit for. Uh, you start worrying when you hit that 84, 85 mark. Uh, I've never had any hotter than if that. Google me. says eighty two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's 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 like there's like a mark where you don't want to go too far past. I'm sure that if you're in the islands of New Caledonia, uh, you, you could probably check the temperature and it's 84 degrees or hell. I'm sure they have days in the nineties, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's, uh, and, but these animals are going to be seeking shade. They're going to be looking for a cooler spot at that point. Yeah. The microclimates aren't going to be that temperature. Yeah. You, you kind of try to avoid maxes and minimums, right? Uh, Goniorosaurus, uh, Chinese cave echoes. I, and love to talk about those for a minute. I, I'm, Huge Eublepharid guy. I think Eublepharids are obviously we have leopard geckos and fat tail geckos. You know, we know that those are established in the hobby. They're great. They're easy. They're beautiful. Gorge. I mean, stop and look at a leopard gecko. Sometimes, what a what an animal, right? Like just a normal one, just just a regular everyday pet smart leopard gecko. How many how many animals in the world are yellow, black, purple, right, orange, all in the same? And it's it's naturally occurring phenotype, <laughs> it, right? It, it's it, it it we we take all of that stuff. We're so we're so seasoned in looking at these animals, uh, but but that Eublepharid complex it, it, it goes it goes across the world, right? We we have them here in Texas. They go to California. Uh, I don't think they go more east in the United States than Texas, uh, but they go south down into the Yucatan Peninsula. Then you can jump over to Malaysia. You got your your cat eye geckos. You got all your African species. You've got ten different kinds of of le- uh, uh, actual Eublepharis uh, uh, genus species. You've got your couple different species of fat tails. Where people don't even know there's multiple species of fat tails. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you've got your 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 Goniurosaurus complex uh, over in in, the, in China, Japan. I mean, these these things are all genetically related. Right, which if we we're not going to sit here and say uh, evolution works by taking Pangaea and cracking that egg apart, you know what I mean? It, it, it's wild, and 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 having kept a lot of the coleonic species, and uh, only at this time having been able to work with one of the Goniurosaurus species, with the exception of temperatures and climates, which we they all evolve to uh, do their habitat, uh, they all have striking similarities. Uh, it, it's it's really 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 neat to see, and and you know leopard geckos are kind of around that that same uh, kind of 
attitude, right? Like all of these things interlock together and it's really neat. You can walk, you can draw a line across the map and say, this is where they're all found. Right. And, yeah. and it kind of does one little, uh, little bit of a parabola as it's going. And, 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 you know, it's a little bit more Southern then it gets to Africa, it gets a little bit more Northern and it gets back over to China and dips down a little further, kind of like a sine wave uh, yeah. of, of, of a complex and, and, and really, really neat. And then you look at, you look at how the earth is canted on its axis Mm-hmm. And you just follow that wave, you know. Exactly. And then if, and then just because we love geckos, you look at all the carpet that killiday stuff, mm-hmm. and like it's that far off that it yeah. has all their own unique features. But you can see that that because of that tilt, because of that wave, like they just change just a little different. <laughs> just just, just a. I mean, look, look at look at a goniosaurus and a coleonyx. You can take these yeah. two animals and put them next to each other, and the body structure. Uh, the throat, the eyes, the nose, if if you couldn't see color uh, or tone and you put those animals next to each other, they're going to look almost identical. Same, same kind of uh, claw structure. They, you know, they don't, yeah. they don't, have, uh, you know, they don't have lamellae, uh, their tails. They do the same defensive posture. What these things are literally on the other side of the continent. Uh, and they they all kind of do this thing where they posture up, they do their big push up, they they kick their tail up in the air, uh, and, and 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 wow, what what one has these bleeding blood red eyes? It's a black gecko with yellow bands. The other one over here has these uh, kind of moon driven, eclipse looking eyes that are just just gorgeous, kind of a umber color to look at, a starry even, and they have these neat tones of brown, but yet the bands are in the exact same places. You're 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 still looking at an animal that's and, and it's their tail structure the tail bands and then they, they have almost identical tails and, and it's like ah, i don't know so it's just, it, it gets me so excited uh, you, should, you should do a pepsi challenge and take black and white photos of both and then <laughs> see if people can tell which one's which i i think on, on on you know just like a like on a table without like seeing kind of its background you'd you'd, you'd be remiss to find to find differences yeah. uh and it's kind of neat when you get down into the mitratus, which is is is, I, I hate I hate that they're not more popular. Uh, they're they're way easier to keep than leopard geckos. They're they're every bit as beautiful. They're a little bit more manageable of a size. They're just as fecunded when it comes to breeding. Yet it's a you know it's a four dollar gecko or a, you know twenty five dollar thirty dollar animal, uh, still being imported from the wild, which is just just part of it. Um, when, when you take those, you can keep them. And, and I, I, I'm not, that's not how I keep them. Uh, I, I, I try to keep mine warm spot about 82, 84. Uh, you can actually, they do great in snake racks. Anybody that's keeping colubrids would do great uh, keeping these. Um, you can keep them at room temperature. I've done it in a pinch. Uh, we, we had some issues at work and I had to bring my office gecko home. Uh, I mean, little, little homie's kind of bulletproof as it is. Uh, but I, I, did not have a place to put them on heat and uh, didn't want to put them back in with females because they, they breed nonstop. That's one thing that you got to be really careful with them. And, and I've got cave geckos in the exact same tub right next to them, uh, which cave geckos, I keep it around room temperature anyways. And, and this dude was perfect for, for months. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's, it's what, what a, what, what a complex you could, th- this hobby, as it starts reaching its fingers around, you know, we, we, we jumped onto the crested geckos. I, I still look at crested geckos and think that, damn, this is just the most alien, beautiful animal ever. You know, how, how did that thing happen? Right. What, what, yeah. 
Yeah. Imagine if there were zero crested geckos in the hobby, right? It didn't exist. And then somebody showed you this big floppy, dumb looking, you know, short bus ride. <laughs> gecko, and and you're just like, what? What is that? It's got a prehensile tail. It's got a toe at the tip of its tail, right? It, it, it's infinite colors. Like what? And it eats like a, a, a fruit paste. Get out. Don't, don't. That's not real. You know what I mean? And and so, you know, if, if those animals hadn't gotten so popular, uh, oh, yeah, 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 that one, man. It's yeah. beautiful, I man. Like I love that. I'm looking like the Japanese are my favorite. I think that's the one that, that David and Manny had at Daytona last year, Phil. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They got, um, there was a, there was a guy that got that out of nuts. Yeah, there look, was at, a, look at, scroll back down a little bit, Justin. Can people see this live? Have no, I been? It's, okay. Uh, when you look at the Japanese, if you go down a little bit, uh, right there in the middle, those are the Orientalis. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So, so originally these these uh, the Goniosaurus were broken up, uh, I believe, into two different complexes. There was the Louisi complex mm-hmm. and the uh, the Orientalis complex, and I, I may be remiss on that. And then there were a bunch of subspecies. They ended up breaking them into a full species and you kept them all Goniosaurus. So you have all your like mainland China stuff. Uh, you have like your Juliensis that are in like your, your Karst mountains over there. Uh, you got your Hyenensis, which I can never say right. Uh, the ones I work with, uh, your Ariensis in Vietnam. I think that's actually another complex. Uh, and they're all way different patternings and colors, phenotypes, and then also sizes. Some of these are like a lot bigger. Some are a lot smaller. Uh, but I mean, probably I, I think if there was an animal and I don't, I have not tested this, but from things I have heard uh, that could stay at a low temperature and not eat for a period of time and, and just be fine. Uh, it's the Goniurosaurus complex animals. I've heard stories of them. Uh, being lost for months and months and months and months and months in people's basements, like six, seven months and finding them. And they're just fine. They're, they're just, you know, this animal was at 60 degrees for seven months and it's just chilling, just fat and happy. Uh, hey, going back to your Metratus that you have as your shop gecko is, do you have the one that's more like marbled? Cause there's a, it's <clears throat> got like the swirlies on it, right? So that's actually the Elegons. Uh, the Coleonyx Elegons are the Yucatan Peninsula uh, bandy geckos, and they're found a little bit more north. Uh, yeah, north northeast. Yeah, uh, and, and they're a little bit more montane as well. They they do better at kind of a cooler temperature. Now your Mitrotus, I I I I think that Mitrotus and Elegons probably have enough similarities uh, that they could probably be like like we were saying locality phenotypic. Um, your mitratus start having bands, but I've produced just out of two banded mitratus, uh, very, very, I have striped, I've striped ones. I had ones that circles on their back. Uh, you know how Synctus, uh, in Julander's book, I, I think he even talks about how in the wild they found Synctus, uh, in, in Australia that had just like wild patterns, right? Yeah, just actually uh, a barren Synctus. And, and I think that the Wheeler I usually stayed to a kind of phenotype, right? Like you've had maybe some that had broken bands on them, but for the most part, the Wheeler Eye were textbook this. Uh, that's what you find with the Elegons. The Elegons kind of always have like a neat marbling striping. They're never really banded. Though they could be, 
usually they have that kind of aberrancy to them. And then you get down your Mitronis and they're usually bandits, kind of like the Synctus. Yeah. But just like the Synctus, they do these wild, crazy things with their patterns just out of nowhere. And it kind of makes me think, whoa, what's, I don't know. Yeah. Again, uh, now I'm a mathematician, so I don't really know the, 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 the correlation between the two uh, or, or why, but what a, yeah. man, I, I wish, I wish, I, I don't, necessarily think they need to be more popular in the hobby like petco sells them and stuff like that like you can find them i'm sure most importers have them i think i wish they were a little more respected in the hobby sure uh, i actually oleonics oh yeah all, all, all the yeah. um, um i feel like I, the true gecko people really love coleonics but they still yeah. don't get into it the way they do other terrestrial stuff yeah and i think there's there's also like a all of us, you know, especially people with bigger collections, you, you kind of have to have uh, something that makes you some money back, right? You, you're going to put effort into all these animals uh, and we all want to breed them and get them into other people's hands um, or even just breed them to kind of find like a phenotype that we're going for or line breed something or, or you know, at some point this hobby, it's so damn expensive, right? Like you've got to get something back from it. Uh, right. I, I personally have that in my collection, especially with uh, Lichianus, but even more than that with my with my gargoyle geckos, uh, my my entire collection, uh, you know, maybe maybe you know seventy five plus snakes was paid for completely by gargoyle geckos. Uh, wow. they, they they there's got to be something in there if you want to have a collection of size, uh, unless you're just like the world's wealthiest person, right? Like I'm sure there's a guy right. out there that's just like, what, what do you mean, bro? I don't even sell geckos. <laughs> I got ten Bowellens by the way. <laughs> I mean, you you want your bonds? Like, I got a bucket of them, right? And and so I'm I'm sure I I'm picked them up in my Ferrari. <laughs> but I bet if that guy's bred Boellens, he's gonna want to sell them, right? Like, you you want to have some kind of monetary investment, and I think that keeps people away from the low dollar animals. Uh, you you you. It, it's it's sad to see uh, a lot of these rat snake species that I, that I've gotten to work with and I'm working with now. Uh, even some of the Pichiovis, you know, bull snakes, uh, Nueces County bull snakes. What? What what is, what is the uh, there's no there's no inherent uh, allure to that animal or they're, they're OG Kingsville Reds right like Kingsville mm -hmm. is on the border of of Claiborne County Nueces County the Kingsville Reds came from Nueces Southern Nueces County mine were actually F ones from wildcat animals on the border of Kingsville I have actual Kingsville Reds but guess what when I take my Nueces County bulls and I post pictures of them and I say these are Kingsville Reds people lose their mind. Those are not Kingsville reds. Those snakes aren't even red, right? They're, they're barely even brown, right? They don't even they, have a crown. I, I'm sorry that they don't have 30 years of, of selective breeding, which I totally respect, that I love, you know what I mean? But this is what they actually look like in the wild. And I, and I appreciate these colorations and, and, you know, these things too, uh, you know, not that that line breeding or morphs are not a problem with any of that. I've got literally buckets full of, of of both uh but yeah so, something happened with the coleonics complex that, that they're they're so damn easy to keep and they're so fecunded they're so bulletproof that people forgot about them or, or maybe it was the fact that we could get them easily right like there's there's something in there it's the same thing as yellow rat snakes right yeah like Put the words out of my mouth they're yeah. so common that people are like no one's they get over it's almost like normal hogs yeah you know like no one has normal hogs 
yep. like they everything got everything got so caught up in the in the morph thing yeah that now normal hogs and like the simple base morphs that most people use to make these you know get to these high-end ones it's like are those now harder to find than the rare stuff or the the high-end yeah. morphs that's you know i i've got the mexican hognose snake which i'm i'm sure somebody uh much more intelligent than me with a PhD in taxonomy is going to come out and say that they're Western hognose. <laughs> <laughs> but but as far as I know, as far as I've seen for recent papers, Kenler, uh, uh, Heterodon Kenleri is still its own species. It may not be anymore. Uh, but how many how many people in their own collections have Mexican hognose snakes? Right, like it's not a special animal. It's not an expensive animal. It's no harder to get started than a Western hognose. In fact, they may even be easier. Uh, but why? Why would you have that animal when you could have a, a neon superconda uh, sable arctic wiggle womp uh, zipzorp and, and over here that costs you know fifteen thousand dollars? God damn, that's a beautiful animal, right? Yeah. And, and I respect it. And guess what? I want that too. <laughs> don't 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 get me wrong. Uh, if if there wasn't the kind of problems going around with the hognose hobby as it is uh, with the the the, the prolific prolificness of, of, of crypto and and i know i know personal people that breed them that have very clean collections and tests for crypto and uh but that's one thing that kind of just makes me freak out about about hognose uh and and that's that's a different in fact justin you had a wonderful episode on, on crypto uh that that uh that's just something that freaks me out with my collection yeah um, and, and one thing that so i i i have not yet done, but I have already ordered and doing paneling for crypto in my collection. Not because I at all think I don't have a zero signs of it, but I want to know for sure that if I've got 10, 20, 30 wild caught animals, uh, you know, wild caught bull snakes from different localities, wild caught rat snakes from different localities, I, I'm bringing these things into my collection. I des I need to do everything I can. These animals deserve the absolute best of care because I took them from a situation where they could have lived for 20 years, right? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know that for sure, but I took that animal's chance of survival and put it into my own hands. If I'm bringing those things into my collection and I have absolutely well-known uh, viruses or anything, I, I need to be aware of that, right? And, yeah. and I, I think anybody that's, I, I prefer, uh, you know, we all say we prefer captive bread. To some extent, I almost don't. I, I like working with wild-caught young animals because I want to establish some of these things in, in, in my collection and in other people's collections, uh, because there's going to be a point in time where you can't do that. Uh, and I, I, I'm scared that that time uh, is getting closer every day. Uh, you know, legislation is constantly being pushed, uh, kind of demonizing this hobby. And, and, and I wish that us as a group of hobbyists would kind of push aside some, some of the, 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 the negativities that we've, we've brought forth to each other, uh, whether it's competitiveness or egos, they say, all right, listen up. Look, you, you like ball pythons, great. You like reticulated pythons, great. I like ugly rat snakes, great. We, we really need to work together or we're going to lose this. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's yeah. that's ter that's terrifying. It's something that's kind of skulked in my life for at least 30 years, right? Like I, I've, I've, I've kept and, you know, I've, I've bred reptiles for over 20 years. I, I, I couldn't imagine it not being in my life. So, so that's, you know, so that, that's kind of my little worry on that. I kind of went on a tangent, sorry, but <laughs> yeah. And there's, it's been, I kind of realized literally within the last two weeks or so that I really haven't done enough to, to get us arc out there more and, and help people realize that memberships are cheap. 
Yeah, it's it's really not you know, expensive. Like, I feel problem. I feel bad and I feel a little guilty about the fact that you know I've got the magazine and we have the podcast and stuff and I've done very little to to show people that US Arc is not some sort of like thousand dollar a year sort of deal. It's I mean, come on, like I think I, I made a joke on my Facebook page and said you know a crackhead could afford five dollars a month. <laughs> and, and you know um, what? These aren't a bunch of multi millionaire uh, senates. Uh, leaving their state that's absolutely in shambles to go to uh, vacation in Cancun. <laughs> this is uh, this is regular human beings out there fighting the good fight for 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 people like like us, right? Yeah. We and and they don't have to. That's that's something everybody's got to realize. We we take all of this stuff for granted. They don't have to do this. They just stop tomorrow. It, it's you know what I mean. There's there's. I guarantee you, there's less personal gain for the people involved in U.S. Arc, and I don't know them personally. Right, I don't. I don't even couldn't even tell you a name, but they probably have less dog in this fight than some of your biggest name breeders in this country, and and, and shouldn't they be? Yeah, I, I, and I may be remiss for what I'm saying. They should be pumping these dudes up as much as they possibly can. Right, of course. Like, of course. Yeah, and it, you know it's sad because I there was a I saw something on Instagram earlier that was someone saying. You know, the ban, and it was someone who was at one point very much in the hobby, but it, I think they're, they pulled back on it a lot. And basically saying, you know, the ban on, on Tegu's is, is a good thing, I guess, in a sense. And the fact that, you know, this is what happens for, with the result of decades of, um, well, you're, are you mis referring misused to, and miskeeping. Are you referring to the meme that we talked about earlier before the yes. show? with the gentleman who doesn't keep reptiles anymore, but keeps birds. Yes. Yeah. And I made the comment of, it would be totally different if they came to his house and took his birds because one person a thousand miles away had yeah. some birds loose, you know, well, it was also disappointing to see the number of people that were like, yeah, you're right. And there are other people that were in the hobby. It's like, you know, you say these things now. Yeah. And it's like, I understand like, yes, there are, there, there were people that, had a hand be it on purpose or accidentally that that made the situation what it is uh you know given on your take on how severe the situation is i don't consider it to be that that serious as much as the government wants to think it is uh but just <clears throat> like the fact that it's like you think they're you, you surely don't you don't think they're just gonna do tagus and that'll be the end of it yeah it, it, it's you a know? it's 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 a situation where it starts with one thing. The second you feed that homeless dog that comes by your house a little bit of bowl of dog food, give him a little boy, man. Let's just give him a bite, right? Let's just give him a bite. He, you know, he, he looks starving, right? And then he, then he then he goes away. You know, maybe a full belly, maybe half a full belly. Guess what? You come home from work the next day, and that starving dog sitting on your doorstep, and and and, and that, that that motherfucker's gonna take your rat snakes right out of your hands. You're not gonna have corn snakes anymore. And and that's yeah. the thing that. It's not a lucrative enough business. This is this isn't something that we're going to have legislators go to battle uh, to to keep around. This this isn't you know we're we're not big tobacco. We're not big pharma. We we don't have that. We're 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 little herpetology, right? Like like think about it like that. Nobody's going to go to bat to to keep you know Mister Snuggy Lumpkins Moon Dragon uh, being able to you know sleep next to you now that your your snake isn't mad at you like. That's not gonna happen. So, so we have to, we have to do it through through absolute unadulterated positivity in the hobby. That's where it's got to start, right? We have to be on the same team. We have to be in the same court. 
we, we, we all have to wear the same shirt. We all have to back the same people. Rivalries, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 you, you, we all have to put that fake smile on and go to work and love that job. When you start promoting negativity, when you start promoting things that are going to get people hurt, when you start promoting things that are going to get these animals released into the wild and have feral animals, the second you start promoting that stuff, people are only going to take the negative. Look at politics. It's the same thing. People don't look at any of the positives. It doesn't matter who it is. They only look yeah. at the negative. You don't watch the news so they can talk about all the good shit happening in the world. You watch the news because 450 million or 450,000 Americans are dead. And that's all you're going to hear about. Right. Yeah. And it's sad. You're only going to hear about the negatives. You're not going to hear about the positives, though. Maybe I'm, and I'm not. I am not making light of any situation when I say this, uh, you know, political or otherwise. But it's only going to take a little bit of negativity. It's going to take some guy holding the, you know, some gorgeous snake that he shouldn't be holding. He's going to get bit. He's going to die on camera, and and it is going to hit this hobby like a ton of bricks. Right? It, it, it's going to happen. You're going to have a kid put a crested gecko in his mouth, choke on it, get salmonella. <laughs> You ain't never gonna see a crested gecko at Pest Market, dude. Like the, these, these are there's, the there's always a boogeyman. Yeah, Th- and this, when they slay one, they're gonna be looking for another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns it's a, many, a, it's a many-headed hydra. Right, it turns into a witch yeah. hunt at some point. And because what whatever is common, you know, I, I know that our 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 our, I know that there is a negative squeamishness to reptiles how many people are afraid of snakes how many people are afraid of geckos you know how how many people that are listening to this now that are hearing my words speak that they aren't those aren't that i can't believe they'd be afraid of a snake a snake can't even hurt you it's like yeah yeah that horse is so much more dangerous so much more deadly but they haven't been portrayed for you know 2021 years in, in, in 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 literature saying that this was literally the devil Right, yeah. like, irrational but, fears are just that. Yeah, and, and and that that exists with a lot of things. Irrational fears exist in 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 child raising. Parents are afraid of certain things with kids that they should never be. Parents are much more lax. You know, there, there's and I'm just going to kind of again a little bit of a tangent. Sorry, I've been drinking. Uh, but <laughs> the number one cause of infant death uh, is uh, it, it, God. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but it's it's where a, a SIDS is it SIDS, SIDS. yeah sudden yeah. infant death syndrome. Most of the time, it's because of a child sleeping with a parent or a child sleeping with a blanket. They're unable to get away. They're asleep. They sleep so hard as babies. Nobody talks about not having your damn kid in bed with you. It's the most dangerous thing you can possibly do. But you know, God forbid you use the wrong non-organic cleaner uh, on on your kid's toenails after you clip them. Right. And then, then we got to get that one off the shelves. Right. Yeah. That, that, and, and it's, you know, we, we don't, we're always going to look at the small things that haven't been villainized over all these years. Mom raised me like that. Mom, grandma raised mom like that. You know, great Grammy, Mammy. Uh, that's how she had grandma. And so it's, it, it's, it's, it, it's wild. This is happening right now in this hobby uh, with, 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 situations like gosh we, we talk about personally all the time but look at social media what are you promoting what what responsibility do we have and, I, and i'm not pointing fingers at anybody i i this responsibility is, is held on my shoulders just as high as it is on the person that's the most popular in this hobby and i don't know who that is uh but we, but we can we can go so far into, into saying all right 
let's stop. You know, the, you know, the obviously millions of people that are going to be listening to this podcast, stop what we're doing. And, and what, what can we do to promote tomorrow? What can we do to promote this positively, right? What are we going to do that is only going to be positive? Nobody's going to look at it in a negative light. And I, I yeah. wish that were, I, I don't actually know how we went from cave geckos and bandy geckos to this, but, but I like where we went. <laughs> I feel a little preachy right now. It's all right. It's good. I man. mean, I, I talked about it in the article that I, I put on the, the magazine website. And like, you think about it. I mean, I, I use the example of 10,000 people. 10,000 yeah. people at $5 a month. That's $600,000 a year. There's five and five to six million people in the United States with a reptile in their home. Think yeah. about all that money. Like, yep. that's, that's, yeah. that's a cup of coffee at Starbucks once a month. Once a month, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's like my one day's worth spends, of me not getting bangs. Yeah, my wife spends literally two hundred dollars a month on coffee. I know she does. We know she knows she does. It's part of our. It is literally part of our bills. She has a very very serious and tough job. I'm never going to tell her not to get her mocha frappuccino on the way to work. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. She busts her ass to be able to do that. That's two hundred dollars. We can't stop and say, okay, here's five bucks. Right? Yeah. I totally understand. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody has a spare five bucks. I get that, but it's just like buying that generator for your, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollar collection. It's just like it's just like taking that preventative to do the the crypto test before you bring wild animals into your collection. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what? I I don't. I can sit here and confidently say I don't need to do that, but I'm going to. It's it's just it's just like taking all these little precautions. Take a step back. Take your precautions. And, and and say tomorrow, I don't care. It's just what for it a is. bigger group, like a bigger, bigger goal. Yeah, and, 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 and I have to know that anything negative I put out. I mean, I, I you know I've got what thirty million followers on Instagram at least. I don't even check anymore. Perhaps the Kylie Jenner. Oh yeah, somebody was like Kylie Jenner. I mean, Kim Kardashian. Me. Who? I, she, you know, Kanye used to call me. <laughs> Give me some tips, collab, Chris. But but even the even me in my, on my tiny little pedestal, uh, squawking as loud as I can. I, I need to be careful, right? Like anything negative that I push out, any t- negativity that comes out of me uh, could be heard by by little Timmy and little Timmy ends up growing up to be a senator. And he's like, oh, well, uh, you know, I, you know, obsolete should be this. And we need to change that in American, you know, you know, maybe the, you know, 31st Amendment is going to be saying that, you know, Lynn Hemeri is an actual subspecies and everybody can go fuck themselves. I don't know. But <laughs> you know, it'd be a little more of real. Uh, yeah. But, but but it, it, you know, it, it's just like uh, obviously we we poke a lot of uh, a lot of fun at the, the 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 taxonomy thing, but but it's even then nobody went into the the, the taxonomy on current. Obviously, what I what what hits me personally is is, is is rat snakes in North America. Nobody went into that in a negative light. Nobody did that to be negative. This is only to positively further our understanding of these animals. I can't look at that in a negative way. I have to accept it. I have to sit here and say. Maybe not. Maybe not completely accept it, but like I, I can't. I, I got to falter. I can make jokes about it. You know, I, I can. I could be you know, jovial about it. But I have to stop and say, yeah, you know what? If, until somebody can stop beat this with better science, I, I don't. I'm not the one that gets to do that. Right, so, copists are not true Ganyasoma. <laughs> that's the, uh, the 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 what you call it? Rhino rats. Rhino rats. Work two different species. I, I, uh, Put in Ganyasoma that 
Uh, I'm trying to think. Fernanda uh, may have yeah. been another another. They got lumped in. I'm not sure. I need to double check. Honestly, I can't keep up with it anymore, man. Like they took it, that it, whole group and they got it all sort of weird and discombobulated and. But it's because we we want to print out that little label on our, our our label maker and slap that motherfucker on the cage and say that's what this is, uh, because we're taxonomy nerds. We love, we love of course, uh, of course. It, it's Phil. I've I've heard you talk passionately about just literally yeah. taxonomy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 something that we love, uh, but we also have to stop and say like, look, if, if you're if you're telling me that an Everglades rat snake, a a a you know. Uh, Gulf hammock rat snake, a a greenish rat snake, for for lack of a better term, yellow rat snake, black rat snake. These are all allegahensis. These are all eastern rat snakes. You sat down. You did the work. You proved it. I can't prove you wrong by being like, nah, nah, dog. This one's orange. This one's black. Like, get out of here. Yeah, you know dude. I mean? I've got I've got one in one rack and one in the other, and they don't. They're not even close to the same. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I don't yeah. like to disagree with people that have actually gone out and done the work, but like the rhino rat thing, it's like it's yeah. been pretty well, well documented that, that there really wasn't a whole lot of information to to, to back that whole. Yeah. True, true. Bumping. But at the same time, uh, Goniosoma rhinophis is is still just a name, just at the same as we say rhino rat snake, right? Like this is just another way of classifying something uh, in in the wild. Whereas, dude, I, I'm I'm dead serious. If you go to the the northern reaches of Colorado and, and take an MRI and then come down here into Mexico, where actually the MRI range dips into Mexico, which you know we would have called that Milamora, but we don't anymore. That goes up into the Slowinski Eye that that rolls across the beautiful uh, southern coast. It goes down into Florida. You you have your Ros- your your uh, rosy rat snakes, uh, which were at I believe the Key Largo animals were were uh, something else at one point, and, and I'm remiss to not remember that. I'm, I'm, name. Pretty, I'm pretty sure they still are as far as Florida goes, so they can stay protected. Which yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I think it was Gutatus ro- rosalie, possibly. Yeah, I think it was Gutatus rosalie. And then you go up to your 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 corn snakes up in the Okatee range, which is Gutatus Gutatus. I, I guarantee you, guarantee you, they are all so close. Right, so close that I would almost say, and obviously, I, I again soapbox. Right, I think you need to get those out of Pantherophis and put them in their own genus, and then take your Obsoleta stuff and put that in its own genus, and then take your Volpina stuff and, and, and put it in its own genus to say, okay, well, here's three different genuses of animals. Let's throw some subspecies on it. Then again, I don't know how taxonomy works. I can barely read. Lord knows I can't write. You know what I mean? So, so, so there, there's there's something to that, but I guarantee you that if you took that North Colorado inner Montana or, or what Emory I and, and take it to your Okatee Hunt Club, they're gonna make scaleless, literally corn snakes because that's where they actually Emory is where the scaleless corn snakes came from. Uh, you know, you you you've got interbreeding in these animals. They literally, as these ranges go, they all. How do you have integrate zones between two different species yet still call them two different species? Right, like. Yeah. It's 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 wild, you know. We go from bear die into Linhemeri, which is now whoa, whoa, whoa. take it easy. Hey, but not get crazy. But I, I've seen I've seen the integrates. Say, right? say what you will about your Emery and and the corns and all the other stuff, but you leave leave the beards out of it. Yeah, well, but- I was gonna say just going back to the the keys the keys corns. So like, mm-hmm. you have a state, and again, I could be wrong because I haven't looked at it recently. Regardless of what the taxon says, 
the corn snakes found in Monroe County are highly protected in Florida. And I'm pretty sure Florida kept the scientific name the same specifically for that. So they're in this day and age that we have, you know, in the 21st century, there is a lot of uh, supposed fake news or conspiracy theories or whatever that certain taxon is classified with an agenda in mind. And I won't name countries, I won't name species, but an animal that is found across a very, very wide range across multiple different countries and multiple different ecosystems is being focused on to, to basically determine if it is all the same animal or if it is subspecies or if it is independent species, much like they yeah. did with the first cobras of Africa. Um, you know, everything was Melanoleuca, and then they broke it down into, I think, five or six different species now. And mm-hmm. each one of them comes from a different habitat. Each one of them looks highly different. And some of them do integrate. Some of them are found in the same ecosystem. Yeah. But, the, but the, the conspiracy, what I was talking about, the rumors and the thought process is that these animals are trying to be made into their own species specifically so that they can have protection from sure. the government. Sure. But it doesn't, it, it has nothing to do with collection for food, for, for human food, for exotic medicine. It has nothing to do with the pet trade or the skin trade or anything. It has everything to do with funding from world organizations to support said protection of said animals. And it all comes back down to the almighty dollar, which is, yeah. which again, this is all conspiracy theory. This is all, you know, grab your tinfoil hat, fake news. But, but when you see certain individuals saying, Hey, we did the DNA study. It needs to be looked into more in depth. And then you have other individuals says, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're going to make them all different species because someone's on the payroll. Someone's not on the payroll. One government says yes. One government says no. You know who's getting more money from what organization? And like that's that's sad. I don't like yeah. that. You know it, it could all it could all be bullshit. I could be talking out of my butt right now. But yeah, who knows? We'll never know. I, I, more and more then, things in our society are driven by the dollar, right? Than, than anything else. Anything else. It I mean, it, 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 it always there. It's there the are the earth. You know, there, there was a huge fight put towards the uh, Louisiana pine snake. Ruveni is specifically different than all of the other Pitiophis. It maybe mirrors like a, like a southern pine, a Florida pine, uh, but these animals uh, in the wild are different. They, they have, their habitat is different. Their egg structure is different. Their size is different. They're tiny. Uh, not, not tiny. Like, I mean, they're still big snakes, but like they're, they're small in comparison to the, comparison to the other pine snakes. And, and it's like, okay, why why did that animal go damn near extinct? I don't I don't know when the last time a wild one was found. It may have been recently. Hell, it could have been yesterday. I, I, it wasn't published in anything I read. But habitat destruction, absolute habitat destruction. Yeah. Somebody stood their ground on that species, and, and said we we need to we need to protect this animal. But caveat somewhere very someone very high up in the chain said <laughs> yeah we need to protect the yeah. species yes because yeah it, it, it's it's wild why why would i hate saying it but why would people care right yeah. why would it's, like, it's like the snow owls in the movie dumb and dumber those snowy yeah. owls and he, he pops the one in the head and kills it with a cork right it's the same concept like the party really died the, the people, <laughs> yeah right the people that are paying the buco bucks 
do they really give a fuck about the animal or do they just need yeah. a tax write off? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, so what, what, where, where, where is the drive behind that? And, and, and damn, it's scary. I stay at the bar, put out the vibe. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. And, 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 you know, I, I know for a fact, just from what I've read and what I've seen, I, I, it, it seems like a uh, lotting eye or I'm sorry, Magutus, uh, which is, uh, the Florida pines are, are probably going to be, or should be on some kind of a, a, a protected level. Well, they, did. They, they, they totally did. Uh, what was it? 2018. I think they changed the law and didn't tell anyone at all. So like the people that I know that would consistently see Florida pines in the wild, which is very, very few and far between. Yeah. They're just so rare. Yeah. It's not because they're necessarily rare. It's because yeah. almost 80% of Florida is privately owned. And you yeah. can't have access to the cow pastures and the, the privately owned swamp land. And even some of the natural areas, they're so thick and so deep that no one really traverses in there shy of yeah. the occasional deer or turkey hunter. So like, yeah. it's not that they're not, it's not that they're necessarily going extinct or they're being extirpated. It's that no one's going to go look for them. No one's going it, to get the data. Yeah. It, March 29th, 2020, uh, the, the Texas indigo and the, uh, Coleonis reticulatus, the, the, the reticulated bandy gecko were removed from the, I guess, threatened species list. Right. They right. actually did a study. Texas is like 99.9% private land. This yeah. is the most private land of any other state is Texas. It, it's you, it's so weird to be in my state and like, go somewhere and be like, I'm going to go look for snakes in this, this like little woods over here. And I have to realize that that's private land. Somebody owns it. Yeah. Right. Most yeah. people don't care. And it is what it is, but yeah, thank God for the on X app. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people, it turns out we have a surplus of those. Now I, let's stop saying, I shouldn't say surplus. They're, they're rare animals in the wild, but they exist in numbers to where they don't need to be protected. But right. Texas, I think did a great job with that. Uh, one of my goals this year is, is to find Coleonyx reticulatus. I have friends that are looking for him for me, and I'm going to be looking myself. Hopefully, the NMA down in Brewster County. Brewster County is, I believe, the only stretch of woods where you'll find reticulatus in the wild. In Texas, they do go a little bit southern into Mexico, uh, but obviously, you can't go collect in Mexico. Uh, but you cannot sell those animals. You can breed them. You can have up to six adults. You can have a, a breeding collection of them. <clears throat> I could mail them out. I send it to anybody I want to, but I cannot. I have to be able to prove that I did not sell these animals. Don't have a problem with that, right? Like I'm not in it for the money. I want to get them established in the hobby. Sure, sure. I want, I want Phil's little little baby Phil when you got kids to be like, oh, here's my little coleonics reticulatus, yeah. and, and you to be like, you know what, you know what, son or daughter, uh, that my my I, I know the guy who who established those in the hobby or who bred those once or who found them. In uh, these came from your uncle Chris. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's so neat to stop and say, well, Texas did a good job. Texas said you cannot collect these animals to sell them. Right. Yeah. You can't do that. There is no trade to be had. You can't kill them. Uh, it's still how many people that stopped. Was that? I wonder how many people that stopped. Yeah. Right. Like how many people in Texas did it? Well, actually, I, I think in Texas, the indigo is the only snake that they didn't kill because trust me, these people kill every single snake they come across. Uh, but Texas indigos are definitely they're 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 to an extent one of the most common snakes we see in the Corpus Christi, Christi area. Uh, we we see a lot of rat snakes, we see a lot of garter snakes, we see a lot of atrox, a lot of indigos here. Uh, in fact, the the Tom Leap and milk snake uh, 
Lampropeltis strangulum annulata is much more uncommon, much more uncommon, uh, but they are here. Uh, and and we, we, we find a couple of specimens a year in, in my county and in uh, McMullen County uh, and Jim Wells County as well. So, you know, but I know, I know a lot of people that come across indigos constantly. Uh, you see them out at the ranch. They're, you know, they, they eat atrox. They literally eat the most common snake here, which is, which is at least in my county, uh, either, either a checker garter or, a, or a Western diamondback rattlesnake. So Texas is doing at least what I think a good job because they could have just said, you know, fuck it, whatever. They're not endangered anymore. Just do whatever you want. Run them over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they didn't they, they put them, they put them on a list that said you can, you can have them, you can breed them, you can collect them. You still have to have the right license in Texas to collect animals. Uh, which is a hunting license with the reptile and amphibian stamp. Uh, but you can't sell them. And, and if they find out that they sell them, that you sold them, Texas Fish and Wildlife is serious business. They don't mess around. Uh, they're, they're very, very, very serious about what, what they allow to happen. And I respect them for it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, uh, it, it's one of the states where the wildlife and, and the wild animals have always been well taken care of. But yeah. you go to Louisiana and some bitch that pond snake ain't doing too good. No, no, it's not. And it's funny, that going back to pines, I had a friend in North Florida that had pines on his property. And he used to, if he found one that was of, of considerable size, he'd bring it in, let his kids play with it for the night, throw it in a, a rack drawer, and in the morning he'd let it go, you know, whatever. And he did it once, and she dropped the clutch. So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll just incubate him. You know why not? Have the bread. Yeah, he's well. He, he, it's not like he's gonna go dig up a, a plot in the back and bury him. You know. Yeah. So, uh, so he lets the mom go. And at the time, the law was you're allowed, I think, one per person per how per household, something like that. So if you had a family of four, you could have four or whatever it was. And then they changed yeah. it. He didn't know they changed it. So when he hatched them all out, and then he had like eight or nine babies. You know, he called up Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Was like, hey, uh, this is what happened. And they were gonna throw the book at him, and yeah. he's like, "Listen, I, I just, I didn't want." I the called you to tell you, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and normally, and like, like in my line of work, uh, if you call the ATF and tell them, "Hey, this illegal thing happened," I'm letting you know, like, how do you want me to proceed? The ATF is awesome in, in like being like, "Thank you for telling us. Let's go about it this way." No harm, no foul. You were honest yeah. and you did the right thing. Well, Florida Fish and Wildlife was like, uh, no, you're a bad guy now. And yeah. to the best of my knowledge, he didn't get any ramifications from it, but they confiscated all those animals. And I'm pretty sure they euthanized them all, which makes Probably. no sense at all. Exactly. Exactly the opposite of what sense. We're saving the species. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the second you're blacklisted by, by, by Fish and Wildlife, you're probably always on that list. It's like a oh, no for list, right? Like they know. They just know. They know. The, uh, it, yep. It's a... Uh, it's crazy when I when I got my uh, interstate commerce license to be able to get uh, my black pines. I was I wanted to get one to be able to get Louisiana pine snakes. I, I want Louisiana. I want Ruth and I mm -hmm. because they're protected in Texas uh, and they are on the most high level of criticality in Texas. I don't think ones have been found in Texas for eighties. I don't even know because they, they, they have they, extirpated. Yeah, they're, they're they're probably gone. Right, like for what. I know they're probably gone. It's habitat destruction, the pine barrens in Texas, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, especially that kind of Conroe uh, area, north of Houston. I, I know y'all aren't really familiar with that area, but it's the north of Houston, kind of northeast Texas. Uh, it's gone, right? Like it's all suburbs now. Uh, th those animals, 
take four or five years to be able to breed. They have two, three babies, right? Like, and then, and then all of those have to survive. No, it's not an animal that's going to do good with habitat yeah. destruction. But I asked, I was like, I want, I want to be able to have these animals. And they're like, okay, you know, you can apply. You, we we got to know who the breeder is. We have to have proof that they're captive born. Obviously, that's going to be the case if they're coming from, you know, California or Alaska or whatever, pick a state, uh, not Louisiana or Texas. Um, and, and I was like, okay, I want to be able to breed these animals. You know, that's kind of the whole thing. I want them in my collection so I can produce them. I won't sell them. I'll give them all away. But it'd be cool to have them and kind of expand that. No, absolutely not. That is not even something you can do controlled or otherwise. You can take a picture of every single egg. The second I take a Louisiana pine snake and try and ship it out of the out of the state, I, I'd, I'd be done. You know what I mean? That, that would be it. Uh, if if I got caught, it'd be cannot do that. Cannot breed them. You, there, there's. I mean, I have the actual lady in charge of it. An email from her that says you can have them. You have to prove where they came from. You cannot breed them at all. It's not even a question. If you, the second you produce more of them. I, I mean, what, what do you, I mean, she, you know, she didn't say what to do, but what do you do? Right. Like yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't get rid of them. I can't send them anywhere else. So. Right. Uh, right. Do, do you guys mind if I step away for one second? Yeah, I, I do. do. I do mind. Do oh my God. Bye. Right back. The, uh, on the same topic, uh, when Marcus was at the science facility in Miami. I thought you were about to say the science fair. I was like, what? no, the science, no, the, um, <laughs> They had uh, permits to have gopher tortoises, Florida gopher tortoises, mm -hmm. and um, and this may have changed. It's been some time since we were on this topic, but uh, they had them in big open air enclosures outdoors so that people could see them and they could observe them with everything else. Well, they would naturally breed and naturally lay in the enclosure. So every couple months, every couple of weeks, you'd see little baby gopher tortoises walking around, and per fish and wildlife. Every single baby had to be euthanized because of uh, what's referred to as mycoplasma, uh, which is what was introduced into Florida via, I believe, Texas brown tortoises. And uh, it's lethal. Um, and because the tortoises are colonial, they spread, they spread the disease like wildfire. And there's only one medical installation in, or institution, excuse me, in the world that tests for the mycoplasma. And that's the University of Florida. However, they will not do a test unless they have, I think, like 16 animals to do it with. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the lab said, hey, we'll just hold back these babies in quarantine until we get 16 of them. And they're like, nope, can't do it. So every single gopher tortoise baby that was born there on its own naturally was euthanized. And that's 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 fucked up, in my opinion. I'm back. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Y'all see my brain? Is I that how you? It, I always found it. That's funny how actual like, cold it is. Like Jamaican boas. I was talking to Rob Stone about those the other day. <laughs> like those you can't sell in the States because they are like protected. Um, but you can give them away all day, just like Cuban cigars. The moment yeah. you exchange money for them, it's illegal. But if you have 200 of them and you give it to 200 of your friends, have at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess not that it really matters, like if you're making money off of them or not. I just thought it's found it ironic that it's like, yeah, for free, sure, spread them everywhere. Well, see, but I like that. I like that a lot because it keeps it for the people that are genuinely are passionate about it to spread the knowledge, spread the wealth, so to speak, to other people that are genuinely passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, uh, 
Chris talking about the, the Louisiana's, he can't sell a single one, but he could give them, you could give them away, right? Or no? Absolutely not. Yeah. Oh, I can't not, uh, now, maybe I could probably breed them and like hand them to local people, but if I took them to a show, because uh, we have to have a license to be able to take local, uh, the Texas animals to a, to a reptile show. Uh, and most reptile shows here are going to have you uh, require a, a Texas state tax ID. Uh, so you have to have the fish and wildlife uh, non game sales permit to be able to sell, <clears throat> you know, a bull snake or a, a, a gray banded king snake. So for me to exchange a Louisiana pine snake by hand, I guess would probably be fine. Uh, but if I tried to ship it, you got to put your fish and wildlife uh, paperwork on, on whatever you're shipping. Uh, or to uh, what you call it? Um, obviously, take it take it uh, over, you know, to uh, to uh, over state lines. Like just absolutely no go. Yeah, it's uh, it's odd. That's for sure. Weird thing. Oh, it, it, you know, it, it's it's something. Something we're all, we we we're all kind of like little conservationists at heart, right? Like with the, me wanted to work with reticulatus. <clears throat> I, I could never sell one. I can ship them out all day long. That it doesn't have the same uh, uh, constituents as the as Louisiana pine snake. I can catch them. I, I can breed them. I can work with them. I can take my knowledge of that animal and I get to spread that to other people. Uh, sure. and, and I know people that want to work with it. And, and, it, and it's it, it, it's man. <sighs> We we don't all have to do this, right? Like this isn't this isn't like a like a necessity of every person in this hobby, uh, but but the, the the few and far between that want to do this, uh, Justin, you're you're working with Cyania, Phil, you're you're working with with some of the the, the craziest shit I've ever seen. It's like we 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 want to take take this little. It's not we're not trying to stand out because we want to be that guy, right? Sure, sure. If we wanted to be that guy, we'd get super ripped and, and you know do stupid shit on the internet, right? Like that's always a possibility. Uh, you, we want to, we want because we genuinely care, and and, yeah. and that, that needs to get pushed more into the limelight, uh, and and that's that's on our shoulders. And, and you know, Justin, I, I've talked to you about this a million times, and Phil, you're obviously a part of this as well. You're doing such a big and positive thing for this hobby, uh, the magazine, the the promotions, the 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 different. All the, po- I mean, 732 podcasts. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know how you do it. Uh, there's, there's so many people. Look at, look at Dom, Dom and her, her, her podcast. She's doing the Modern Medusa, bringing it in the limelight. Uh, you know, diff- different kinds of people working with animals, females, non-binary. It, it, that's wonderful, man. You, you're, you're taking things that didn't exist and, and making it a possibility. And, and that podcast, I've been listening to a podcast. It's great. I think anybody that's listening to this needs to listen to that podcast. Uh, damn, what a good job. Um, that's not just a podcast for women. That is a podcast to highlight these people in the hobby, to show yeah. you these people are there and that, that you can, that you don't have to, uh, you know, think that this is only dudes with gauges in their ears and, and black hoodies at reptile shows, right? Like, right. And tattoos. What a bunch of weirdos. Pat it up. Uh, th- yeah, we are all literally three guys that are like in, in hoodies and doing that. Uh, <laughs> You know, we, yeah. we fit the archetype well, probably the three of us. Uh, right. J- Justin, with your – exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it's – it's th- this this is a beautiful, beautiful 
hobby that gets to reach so many people. I see that in the eyes and the heart of my four-year-old daughter who I don't, I don't push this on her. I don't make her help me in the reptile room. I don't make her feed geckos, but she like snakes. <laughs> yeah. It, you know what? If she's a, it, it, that line I, from I, holds grandpa, I'm tired. <laughs> you're going to feed the baby snakes today, whether you want to or not. It's I don't give a damn, but, but my kid will beg me, baby, tired. Yeah. Let's feed baby snakes. Let's feed baby snakes. And I'm like, I know, I know she wants to be a part of it. And I know that that love and that, that, that true heartedness exists in so many more people. We have to figure out how to reach them. We have to figure out how to reach them in a positive manner. How, how, how do we get that in a safe way? Right? Like how do we get these, this feeling of love, this feeling of compassion for these animals into the hearts and the minds of these young people in a positive, safe way. So, you know, maybe that is our responsibility. That's not the responsibility of, of you know, uh, little Jimmy with, you know, little bunny foo-foo moon dragon. I'm going to keep talking about that snow corn snake. We all know it's a snow corn snake. It's six foot long. <laughs> each week. Right. Uh, that, that's not, that's not Jimmy's job, right? That's, that's our job. That's, that's the weight that gets put on our shoulders uh, to promote this hobby. So I'm so passionate and in love with it. You know, I, 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 I can't, I can't think of something, that brings me as much joy in a hobby. You know, obviously my family, my, the love that I feel for my friends, but in a hobby, we get to do this together. And we, I mean, we didn't know each other and I think we're all good friends. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get, to, I've met so many people through this, so many people. And we just got to remember, we are all in this oddity of, of, of a likelihood together. So how are we going to, how, what are we going to do tomorrow? I keep saying that. What are we going to do tomorrow to make this yeah. place better? I mean, I'm not, trying to preach some religion ain't none of that like just straight up like what are we going to do that's positive what is tomorrow that's positive that we're gonna we're gonna bring to the table so uh, hail satan brother hail satan brother oh, yeah. not gonna i mean yeah whatever but you know i'm down you know <laughs> rv into the la playas of west texas yeah I, you know and, and, I'm, I, and i know we gotta wrap up and i know i know it's late you guys it's, i don't know how time works over there but here in texas it's kind of late uh but we are in a, a again this hobby that it doesn't matter your creed or credence your, your your religion your 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 other hobbies your job right we know people that are that are that are doctors we know people that are that are that are you know shoe salesmen that do this like we could do anything and you could still find common ground in this hobby uh, there, yeah. there's not a lot of hobbies that have naturalism uh, I don't even know if that's a word we're gonna make it a word it is, yeah have, right yeah na naturalism in it, uh, you know, there, you find, you know, you find a lot of plant people and aquarium people. That, that's there. Maybe those are a little bit more uh, relative to your common person. Why aren't reptiles right there with them, right? Why, why aren't you know why why are fish so much more accepted uh, than than reptiles? And it's it's that kind of uh, subjugated fear that people have. So let let's beat that. Let's get past it. Yeah, uh, you know. Let's stop fight the power, hustlers. Right. Let's stop holding fucking cobras on Instagram. Right. Like let's <laughs> let's let, let, let's <laughs> let's let's try to let's 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 show them that you know a corn snake is a great first pet. You don't have to have a fish. You know what? I guarantee you, a corn snake's a lot easier to keep alive than a fish. Absolutely. And already knows that, but let's let's do that. Yeah, I love it. Chris Painshab, my man. Everybody. Love it. If anybody wants to hunt down this glorious human being, you can find him at Badlands or Pediculture. Absolutely, reach out to me on, on, on Facebook. I got I, I have a I have a Facebook like 
page, but I kind of stopped posting stuff on Facebook because I really don't like you to sell animals and stuff. I don't really sell too many animals. Kind of shitty at selling animals. Uh, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, I'm not the honest. best. Yeah. Uh, you you, can't, you <laughs> see me at a reptile show. Uh, I, I, I vend the, the Herps. Uh, shout out to Sean and Lori from Herps. Uh, the Herps Reptile Show is here in Texas, and they've reached out to Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana. They, 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 they do the work that so many people were afraid to do. Uh, I vend the reptile shows uh, here in Corpus Christi. Uh, if somebody wants to, to, to find me there, come up to my table. Yo, I got, yo, you want something? I got you, dog. Um, <laughs> hit me up on Facebook. Ask me questions. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it when people uh, ask me questions uh, that aren't stupid. Don't ask me stupid questions. I'm going to tell you a stupid question on that guy. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, anybody that wants to reach out to me, I'll give you my cell phone number. You call me up. I love chatting about reptiles. These guys know I could literally, I mean, y'all, y'all say two hours. I got two hours left in me. <laughs> I mean, we both do, but eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, uh, no. Just, just so, so, yeah. so, so pumped. Shout out to all my Texas people. I know y'all are all hurting. I love you guys. Y'all need anything? Call me. I got you. I got a warm room to stay in. I got space heaters if you need them. I got water. Uh, scary, scary times that were happening, but we're gonna get past it together. Uh, everybody in this hobby, if you're hurting, you just want somebody to talk to. Call me up. Uh, mental health, big thing, big thing for all of us. You, you, yeah. you have. You having a hard day? Call me. I love to talk. I literally don't shut up. Every, Justin, I say that. Every day is hard. Justin, call me. Okay. <laughs> I love you guys, man. 2 a.m., buddy. Be ready. Yeah, yeah. No, do it. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, that's when work calls me anyways. I'm fucking working. So. <laughs> Chris, 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 it's, it's, it's 4 a.m. on the East Coast. How There's many a spider in my bathroom. What do I do? Scales is on... A gopher again? The just the ventrals? <laughs> I mean, Count them for me. Which, what kind of gopher? I mean, there's seven different kinds of gopher snakes, Bill. There you go. All of them. I want to make sure I have the right one. Yeah. Hey, but luckily, Pichiophis, they're all a whole bunch of subspecies. So somebody that wears, you know, I'm not going to say anything rude, but somebody's going to come in and make them all the same fucking species. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Those San, San, uh, San Maria uh, gopher snakes. They don't need to be special anymore. They're just San Diego gopher snakes, but those are just snoring. Anyways, I, I, you know, right. I got I got I got, we got to, we got to wrap this up before I get negative. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, man. That you came on tonight. It was a great show. Absolutely. Yeah, Anytime, I love it. you guys so much. Love everything I would do for the hobby, man. Let's, let's keep going. Thank you so much. Keep it up guys. It's awesome. I'm, we'll, we'll talk to you in about five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. This is episode 112 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, part of the Herpeticulture Network, brought to you by MP Cages and Exotics and Steve Snakesuary and his Venom Hot Sauce. Follow me at Palmetto Coast Exotics. You can find me at knobtails.ig. And if you're going on YouTube, you can check out the Venomous Etiquette videos, part yeah. of the Herpeticulture Network. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone have a good evening. Good night. <laughs>